addressed. That these items need to be addressed. Uh, there has been over the past eight years to ten years, uh, promoted by Japheth, but certainly uh, undergirded by Hamite brothers and churches, that yours truly, that I am not for the black man. Well, I am not in that sense or in that regard. I'm not for blackness. I don't know what that means. Uh, but what they are saying is that I don't unite with the black causes, the black ideals, the black purposes, the black hate, the black lives matter, the black panthers, the black power, that I don't unite with that, that but not just that, but that I am, I am anti-black. It's stated, I've stated I'm not African-American, and I'm not. And I've gone ahead and pointed out the truth about the progress of both the so-called African-American, black or the Negro or the colored, his journey, his progress socially, religiously, and politically in America and in Africa. I pointed out his shortcomings and gone ahead and agreed what the Bible said in, Matthew, in Genesis Gospel chapter 9 verse 25 that he who was the product of the so-called, if you will, black Hamite Canaanite was of God told that he would be a slave to both Japheth and Shem. And I've agreed with that. I've had no problem with it. I've disagreed with the ideas, however, that of the Black Panther, the Black Lives Matter, the Black this, black power, civil rights, black leaders. I've disagreed with them vehemently, and I've spoken loudly, and I pointed out their shortcomings. I've pointed out the truth about there's been no progress through any of those methods that they have employed, that they're still the last, that there is not the sense of honor among their men regarding the caretaking of their children to providing for them, that they don't run their own businesses, that they don't even run their own communities, that where they live, they don't control, they don't own, they don't develop. And it's clear, I'm not making this up. It's all very true. But because I've said that, and they are with their churches and leaders are saying the reason why is because the white man holding them down. And I come back with, well, are you saying that the white man is greater than you because no man can break into a man's house and take his goods unless he's stronger than that man? So I disagree. I don't think that the white man is stronger than me. I don't think he can hold me down. He couldn't hold me down when I was in prison in Rayford or Dannemora or Auburn or Comstock or Sing Sing. He couldn't hold me down when I was in picking cotton in North Carolina. My mama and all the children out in the cotton field. We still gave God the praise. He couldn't hold me down when I grew up, never having a telephone in my house. For the first 18 years of my life, I never had a telephone ring in my house. For the first 18 years of my living, I never heard a toilet flush or running water in my house. Everything happened outdoors. I'm still a strong man, healthy, and good-looking today. White man can't hold me down. Y'all got cell phones and everything and still ain't got nothing. So they've said, I'm not for the black man. 
And that when I speak, I beat down the black man. That I'm not with the black movement, and on and on and on it goes. So I want to correct that. That, no, I'm not for civil rights. I don't see, I don't see you being a bell. I think you've become more ignorant since civil rights. It's obvious. And no, I'm not for Obama. I think you've become worse as a result of him. And I see a failing in all the things that you point to, your churches point to, that all y'all point, and then vehemently come against me with all your strength, even in this community of Harlem. I'm probably the only preacher who has a church that preaches to preaches people with kinky hair like you and skin like you that still lives with you. The rest of them live with the white man who they say is holding them down. Over at Refuge Temple, they get in the cars and they drive out to the white man's neighborhood. The same man they say is holding you down. They live with him. But I live here. Feed here. Take care of here. So, and then they run the religious thing on me. I don't speak in tongues. Who told you that I don't? And who told you that somehow or another that's the last test of equality about God's power and spirit? So, I, you know, it's, it's, it is... The ignorance is unbelievable in the hearts of the Hamites people, and that's why it's so easy to chain and bound them because of their ignorance. Knowledge is power. Now, anybody who, you know, when I was in prison, all the men that were in prison with me, they either robbed or sold drugs or did what they did right on the same block where they lived. They didn't go to some other neighborhood. They keep talking about the white man, but they sold drugs to their nephews and nieces and cousins on the same block where they live. If they broke into a house and stole somebody's television, it was their neighbors or your grandmamas around the corner. Yet they say they're for the black man. I mean, I don't understand it. So I want to set the record straight that um, the ignorance, and then you know, in his, you, they've sold out Harlem. These churches, these swine dancing, skin flinting clowns in a closet, monkey in a tree preachers. They've sold the community, the politicians, the David Dinkins, the Charles Wrangles, the Keith Rice, the Inez Dickens, the Al Shoptons of the world. They've sold this wealthy community to Japheth people. All right, okay, but that wasn't enough. These so-called, for the black man, these so-called Obama-enlightened people are now selling their churches to the sodomites. They're selling their churches to the same man they say that's holding them down. The last thing you had is the house of God. The church of God, and they're selling that for pot of potterage. And they say, I'm against the black man. They are, uh, and then the other thing is that we don't have any training. We're ignorant, and we're uncouth, we're unprofessional. We steal and rob from our own brothers. We don't even trust each other. And we won't be told how to deal with one another. We get an attitude when we are told how to respond to one another. 
And the pastors don't love the people, they rob them. They tell them lies, they skin flint them. And then they give them some sort of an award once they reach a certain plateau of raising money. But no, I'm not for that. I never have been. And uh, will that teenage pregnancy run amok? Man arrest our son for killing our uh, cousin. We go to the police and won't beat up the police to get our son out of jail. No, I'm not for that. And so I'm here now looking at probably the worst of the worst where Harlem has now become white. And the churches, where men and women worked as elevator operators, sleeping maids, gas jockeys, and pumping gas, and cleaning floors at gimbals to build a church, to buy a plot of land, and to put a building together and build a church so they could all walk in, say, we've come this far by faith, singing that God let them have that church, and now they're selling it to these sodomites, and they're against me. And you let them be against me. Sit down with them. Have dinner with them. And let them talk about me. I don't like you. I don't like you. Let people talk about me while they're selling their churches of sodomites. No, I'm not a black man. I'm a son of Ham. I don't know. My suit's black, but my hand ain't black. Better go get Lamont Monroe somebody, but I ain't black. Wesley Snipes, better get him, but I ain't black. So I, I, I come here to state that, um, you know, people are, uh, we, we want to weaponize with the Sabbath. I'm coming to that. I talked to you about earlier. I'll come back to it. The fact that the Sabbath is our weapon. But, you know, I was talking earlier today about how these rednecks down there in Redneck Village, they are dead prisoners. God sent us tribulation Trump. He's a good man. God, yeah, tribulation Trump, he's the best president we ever had. He's doing a whole lot of good for America. Them rednecks down there in Louisiana. And I said, you know, I was going to ask the question, you know, have you ever heard things crazy like that? And I said, no, because you have. The same thing y'all said about Obama. <laughs> the same thing y'all said about him. You know, I'm going to reach out to the Caribbean and I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to tell me hell no the way everybody else has told me. But, uh, you know, Obama, right? Black man. I said black president. Well, Obama, Lord, he said black president. In 2009, they had one of the most devastating earthquakes in Haiti the world has ever seen. It rocked that island, killed hundreds of thousands of people. Children buried for days under the rubble of those shacks down there. And the misery went on for months. The first black president didn't go to the first black free nation in the world to comfort them. I mean... I mean, a hun- over 100,000 Haitians, black people, died in an earthquake. You are the most powerful man on the planet. You can get the USS Ronald Reagan, the US Virginia, you can sail ships, 
and cover all of Haiti with ships and bring people on board and let them have banquets and dances. And you sat in Washington during the week and played golf on the weekends while children were under rubble suffering down in Haiti. What kind of black president is that? Is that what you want me to be? Then hell no, I ain't black. If that's what you want me to be, Not just that, you thought, well, he just got in the office, he scared the white folks, so he went down there and, 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 and brought them ships to Haiti. The white folk would have been against him. But I heard throughout the whole campaign that they put him in power to help the black folk. So you figure we'll learn from that. When Hurricane Matthew hit a year or so ago, Devastated rivers and bridges were swept away. Houses were swept away. Rooftops. People were hanging in trees. Hurricane Matthew devastated Haiti. You would think, well, I didn't go down for the hurricane, for the earthquake. Let me go down for the earthquake. He doubled down on going to the golf course. Never went down there. It would appear to me if there was any kind of love in the heart of the so-called first black president when the first black nation on, in North America was under siege, he would have been down there, even if he didn't know how to pray, walk down and encourage him and throw some money around. Give, just take some money out of his own pocket and say, I'm praying for you. He didn't do that because he didn't have to do it because he know y'all don't demand that kind of love from one another. He know y'all ain't about loving one another. He know y'all ain't about helping one another. He know y'all ain't about nothing. That's why he didn't do nothing because y'all ain't nothing, ain't never been nothing, and ain't gonna never be nothing. That's why he didn't do nothing. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. That's why he didn't go. But I went. No, I ain't black. I ain't like that. <laughs> no, not me. So I thought I'd remind y'all. I mean, your first president. What's he done? Since you want to accuse me of being not for the black man with your ignorant self. Never seen nothing like these swine dancing preachers, these liars, these hustlers. Up in these churches, these John Bryans, these African Methodists, these T.D. Jakes. I've never seen nothing like y'all. These Al Shoptons. Never seen nothing like it. At any rate, I, uh, you know, there's an old adage proverb that says the family that prays together stays together. Obama may not know how to pray. I'll give him that. I won't hold him guilty. But at least you should have went down there and said to our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He got a red one. Haitian people would have loved it. They would have felt somebody loved them. They were alone in the world. When that earthquake hit Haiti, they were alone in the world. Nobody came. No major power came. They were alone in the world. And America didn't stand up. And the churches and the leaders, the T.D. Jakes, the Creflo Dollars, they didn't stand up and demand that we pray with our breath. They were alone in their struggles, except for me. But you say, I ain't a black man. Okay. I, well, we, we want to look at the lunacy of that. One thing to say, and then to persecute me. Raise your voice and gossip. To persecute. To try to destroy the truth that I stand for. 
But I, I want to say that, you know, that we need, in order for us to be able to become the people that we need to be, God has said to me as I call out to the Caribbean and here in Harlem outlaw, that we need to weaponize. And the one weapon that God's given to us is the Sabbath. It's the weapon that we don't use. But it's the most powerful one that has been given to us. Preaching by way of revelation the other day, we were able to discover that the Bible says that in, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11, said to, to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. That you shall not do any labor on the Sabbath day. Your ox, nor your ass, nor your manservant, nor your maidservant. And we went ahead and pointed out that God said that even a slave is free on the Sabbath day. <laughs> that even a slave, a manservant, and a maidservant is not required to work on the Sabbath day. We pointed out that down there in Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Arkansas, Georgia, South Carolina, Tennessee, Kentucky, that on the Sabbath, not on Sunday, on the Sabbath, the slave could have said, boss, boss, hey boss, guess what? I ain't a slave today. <laughs> the report, and show him the Bible. Somebody teach him how to read because he didn't know how to. The slave could take the Bible and show it to the boss and say, boss, I ain't your slave today. Because <laughs> the word of God said, what you going to say about that boss? Hey boss, what you going to say? And he'd be right. He'd be right. The Bible says even the manservant and the maidservant shall not work on the Sabbath day. That's why these Japheth churches is pushing it so hard. Got people like John Bryan, T.D. Jakes pushing. And when I get up, raise up, and stop talking about the Caribbean going Sabbath, they're going to raise hell and stop throwing coconuts up here in New York. Because Japheth realized as long as he can keep you working on the Sabbath day, you can't never be free. You can't never be truly free by the word of God. Stand up and give God some praise. Stand up. Give God some praise. He ain't gonna never. These churches. These churches gonna get together. And they're gonna run against me worse than they have done on the Sodomite. But I'm now out here saying we should weaponize with the Sabbath day. They're gonna fight that worse than they do Sodomy. Because the Japheth man realized that the Sabbath sets you free. That's your first step. That's your first day. And he don't want you to know that. These T.D. Jakes of the world, these Baptist preachers of the world, these Methodists of the world, they're going to fight this word with every ounce of strength. And your family members going to spit on me if they can. And I'm going to cut their throat if they do. Take your seat. Sunday. Don't matter what day we worship on. Doesn't matter what day you're a slave. Does that matter? Anyway, you know, I was, um, <laughs> Obama, your first black president, he, he showed up black man, stomped down, right? Well, he for the black people. Black man ain't for the black people. Talk about us. Say we ain't never built no comb nor boat. Well, it's true, you haven't. Don't mean that you can't, but you haven't. 
You know, it's the first black president. You know, the capital of the black world is Harlem. You know that, right? Not, not Cape Town, not Johannesburg, not Lagos, no, not Monrovia, Liberia. The, the capital of all the black world is Harlem. Flagship of all the black communities on the planet. Not Port-au-Prince, not Port-of-Spain, Harlem. That's where all the, that's the capital of black folk. How many times did Obama come up here? That fool came up here when he was running, went over to the Apollo, started singing Al Green. I'm so in love with you. And all y'all kinky head, snag a tooth, low life fellow. Woo! He's a brother. <laughs> he ain't been back since. Except when he did come up here to this restaurant, I ran him out of town when he did come. But you would think, you would think, how many times did he visit uh, Europe? How many times did he go to the G20? How many times did he go to the summits? How many times did he visit London? How many times did he visit Paris? How many times did he visit the other capitals of the world? But yet he never came to the capital of black people. What's up with that? What's up with that? I'll tell you why I didn't come. Because I'm up here. <laughs> That, that, but you would think that even though it's, it's a socially given, you know, existentially understood that Harlem is the capital of black people, that he would have been up here attending the churches, right? Going to, you know, coming to the Apollo. No, he didn't come. Didn't recognize our place as the capital. Because for him, he don't care nothing about black folk. That's why I didn't come. And yet I'm here every day preaching and teaching and feeding and educating. And a low life like some of y'all online and some of y'all that's sitting here will let your children talk about me. I ain't never seen nothing like y'all. Ain't never seen nobody ignorant as you. Ain't never seen nobody like y'all. Never seen nothing like it. He done nothing for you. He's done nothing. Nothing except hustle you and pimp you. He's a long-legged magnet. Obama's a magnet. He pimped black women and white women. Obama's a magnet. First time you ever heard about him had his name on some great big old tits. Obama's a magnet. And then you're going to rail against me. So now we're preaching the Sabbath day. Here they come. But I want to give a call. Um, to the Caribbean, land of Canaan. I'll have some problem with that. <clears throat> but I suspect that if we went to the leaders, they'd give you the same response that the leaders have given me here. But I, and, you know, I don't have this as a word from the Lord, but I have it as a continuing process of theology that all the islands from Trinidad, Tobago, including Guyana, Belize, and all the way up to Bermuda, and everywhere and in between, including Cuba and Puerto Rico, ought to be named Canaan land. I don't have that as a word from the Lord, just a continuing existential approach to looking at what God is doing and saying in his word today in a contemporary way. I don't have that as a word. But, you know, 
The, uh, the thing that, that impresses me about Haiti that cannot be mitigated is that Haiti, once it discovered its sea legs and its freedom, that it didn't want to be called Saint Dominique anymore, because that's what it was called, after some French little, little sissy priest over there in France named Dominique. And that's what Haiti was called. Dominican Republic, which is on the same island as Hispaniola, what it's called now, still carries the name of Dominique. They called it Dominican or Dominican priest or Dominican Republic. And Dominican, the Franciscan priest of, Francis, of, of Assisi, St. Francis of Assisi, Dominicans, the priests, they're all over the Dominican Republic. Go down there. You can't, get, you can't walk in the street without running into a Dominican friar, a Dominican priest, St. Francis of Assisi. They're all over the joint in Latin America, in Dominican Republic. But Haiti said, no, we're changing our name. We're not being going known as some little sissy priest out of France. No, we're changing from St. Dominique to Haiti, which is a word from the aboriginals. And aboriginals, a word with a pretext before it, meaning from the original language of the original people. The originals. A word that Japheth had never used before. Japheth had never heard nor used the word Haiti before until they, the Selenes and Toussaint Louverture, we're going to name, we'll give ourselves a name that identifies us as an independent people. We're not French. We're not we're not named after they had us enslaved and now we're going to carry their name as a badge of honor to them. No, we're changing our name. And that's why all the islands of Haiti, all the islands of the Caribbean ought to change their names. What's, so, what's Aruba mean? What's that mean? You know, down there in Trinidad and Tobago down there talking that French talk, that, that English talk. What's that mean? But, but by the way, this is biblical. I told you earlier that when Joshua marched Israel into, across the Red Sea, well, Moses' Red Sea, and then across Transjordan and into Israel, it was named, it was named Canaan land. Joshua changed it to Israel. Don't call it Canaan land no more, but all throughout the Bible, Virtuous Reader was able to discover, it was called Canaan land until Joshua changed the name to Israel. Once it's your land, change the name. If you're running the shop, don't keep another man's name out there. Put it under your name. Don't call Harlem Harlem any no. Put it under God. Put it under your name. Call it outlaw. That's what God said. But you know, you know, I was looking at some things over there in uh, Africa. You know, Zimbabwe. A, 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 a Zuru Zulu name, it's not called pure, pure Zulu, but a Zuru and Zulu name, means the land of the enduring house, Zimbabwe. Right? And then the Africaners and the Dutch came in and they beat the Zimbabwe's and changed the name from Zimbabwe to Rhodesia. Y'all remember that? Yeah, they did. And uh, Rhodesia is the name of of some white guy over there in Europe, right? The big Rhodesia, Rhode all over, go down to Australia, you're renting more Rhodesias than you can shake a stick at, then you can do kangaroos down there. And, 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 and but when Zimbabweans decided they want to get their independence, they threw out the name Rhodesia, and now they're known as Zimbabwe again. I mean, when you take a land, you change the name. You don't keep the name of the man that put you in prison and in slavery. 
So we need to change all that island down there to Canaan land. Lord, have mercy the trouble I'm going to get with doing that. You know, I was, I'll say something to y'all, though. I'm going to finish all day. I was looking at some things and I was praying because we need to weaponize this. The weapon that we have that sets us free, going all the way back to Genesis and Exodus and then Moses, the only people that use the Sabbath are the Shemites. Japheth people don't use it. The Catholics, white people, they don't use it. They don't use the Sabbath. Hamites don't use it. Shemites. And by that, the Muslims who are Shemites as well, you know that they are. Why? Why let them have all this power? Why let the Catholics, why let the Japheth people keep you enslaved using their name and worshiping on the day that keeps you enslaved, that don't let you be free? Nobody said you'd be free on Sunday. I mean, imagine all the pushback and fight I'm going to get. But here, we need to weaponize all you people online. And Christine, I use Christine Estep down in North Carolina. And I talk about Waverly Marsh and Todd Marsh. By the way, you know, if y'all listen again today, if you didn't get mad with me and leave. When I call your names like that, I don't, I'm not angry with you. In fact, I'm not downgrading you anyway. I'm using you as an example. I let God use you. And what's happening to you to reach other people who may be going through the same thing you're going through. That's why I talked about you, Todd. I don't want to expose your mama. But you probably need to be exposed. <laughs> Anyway, so we need to weaponize the Sabbath. You listen to me. You need to grab everybody together on Sabbath day. I had a preacher, you know, joined that want me to be his pastor and everything, but he kept fooling around with the Southern Baptist and the, and the Sabbath. You can't hang around me two or three years and don't get down. You got to worship on Sabbath and cut that Southern Baptist stuff for loose. So I cut him loose. But at any rate, uh, here, the, the Sabbath we need to, and even inside here, you, you need to think about something for a second. This, this business of Almighty God and I'm being his servant is, I, 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 can't let you, I can't let you close to me if you don't weaponize your house with the Sabbath. I mean, I can't let you sit down to family dinners and a large part of the table is Sunday and Obama or Trump I you know it is it is irresponsible I'm putting the life of the children in jeopardy by letting you sit up in here now I, you know I need I keep saying this because I'm long suffering but you need to know we don't need you up in here with with a bad spirit when we're trying to weaponize everybody and you won't weaponize your home or your relations, we don't need you up in here. I mean, somehow you got the idea that we got to have you, that we can't do it without you. Hell, turn around and look at all the empty pews. And I tell you, I felt the power of the Holy Ghost this morning like I ain't never felt them before. Even with them pews back there. Get, get with it! Get with it! It's only by the mercy of God. Because you know, Pastor Manning will come walking down Jerusalem Street like a natural man and will get up in your face and tell you, don't you come back up in the north. You know he will. You know he will. We need to weaponize. We need to be on one accord. If you're not for the Sabbath, if you're not for the vision, the word, you're not for the Lord's servant, then we're not for you. 
This is, a, this is not, not optional. But I was, so I was saying that, okay, all right. All right. Maybe they'll they look at Obama and see eight years they ain't done nothing. You would have thought Obama would have went to a church a week. Rather going to churches on Sunday, went to golf course. He went to churches when he was trying to get elected. After that, that boy didn't go nowhere. I mean, swear. You would have thought the way A.R. Bernard was licking that boy's butt. You know, A.R. Bernard was licking Obama's butt. I mean, you would have thought he would have been over there at, at uh, what's that, cultural center? Just to stand before the group and say, thank y'all fools for voting for me. He didn't even go over there. Al, but not, I mean, I swear. Or some of these other, he didn't, you would think he would have gone over there. He went out there in Beverly Hills, went out there with Harvey Weinstein and thanked him. Oh, y'all don't know who Harvey is, huh? I didn't see him go down to the potter's house. I saw the potter's house come to him. I mean, what's wrong with y'all? So I was thinking that, that y'all stand up. I was thinking that, well, you know, Caribbean is, we start honoring the Sabbath day, Japheth going to get mad. But if we stick together, ain't nothing he can do to us. If he can't break the chain, if we stick together, his hotels, if we don't want, if they don't want, we don't want no hotels to run, they ain't running. We ain't going to have no Hamite brother out there with a white, with a black suit and black monkey suit on, walking on water out there in the Cayman Islands. Ain't going to happen. If we stick together on Sabbath, you ain't going to be drinking up in here on Sabbath day. But we can't have weaknesses in the group. We got to stay together. When he comes at one of us, that means he's coming at all of us. That time to shut up and sit down. Yeah, just to wait till I ain't nothing happening. The bar's closed on Saturday, the kitchen closed on Saturday. Why? Because them Hamite people said this is their day of freedom, man. <laughs> so I was thinking, I said, well, you know, I'm gonna get a lot of uh, pushback on this, and man, they ain't gonna want to do it, not them Caribbean, because they're so glad to get them little old, that little old money that Japheth has given them that they're going to call me a devil with horns trying to get them to worship on the Sabbath day. You watch them. But I was also saying, okay, all right. You know, all, most of these nations are poor. And I was thinking to myself, I said, well, now, I was talking to the Lord. I was thinking about, about I said, well, what about this? Because he didn't tell me to do this. And I know that he didn't tell me to do this. I want to be clear. The same from the Lord. I was telling him. I said, why don't we, I mean, you're going to Haiti, right? And the roads that lead to Pastor Salir's orphanage and school, they are awful. They're terrible. I mean, they're not even a road. I don't know what it is. You know, it's just, it's, I mean, they're awful. And it's like they put it way back, like it's worse than a prison. I swear I've seen prisons better than the, the, the orphanage in, in school. So, and they get all the roads and no sanitation. I said, well, maybe, you know, we, we'll have somebody like Jay-Z Puff Daddy, Oprah Winfrey, you know. They got a little money, right? They done made it. They got money. Donate 10% of their income, you know, to build some roads. Or to set up a street sweeping, cleaning of the streets in the marketplace, right? Jay-Z is worth $1.6 billion. He and one of the faces, Beyonce face or whatever he is. 
Puff Daddy's worth a, mi- a billion, right? Just 10%. 10%. Oprah's worth billions, right? So I suggest to them, right, why don't y'all, since y'all have made it, you know, you got, you, you ain't gonna ever spend a billion dollars, why don't y'all donate 10% of your income to a sanitation department for Haiti, right? And to do some road work and engineering down in Haiti, 10%, right? You're still rich. You still got billions, right? It won't hurt you. You won't even miss it, right? What you going to do, Jay-Z? You got $1.6 billion. What you going to do? Get out there and do another show and make some more money. But there are a couple problems with that. Problem number one is they ain't going to do it. <laughs> and problem number two, if they did do it, until we get the word in the hearts and minds of the preachers and the politicians and the leaders, the money will go into the pockets of the leaders rather than helping the people. So we got two problems with that. And that's just how that is. In fact, Jay-Z could get all his money down there for Haiti or some of these other islands, but it won't go to the people. You understand that. First of all, they don't do that. I mean, let me ask you a question. If you had $1.6 billion, that's $1,000 million plus $600 million. If you had $1,600 million, right, would it hurt you to give away 10? 10% of that? I mean, I mean, you, you, you've been around a couple places, lived in a couple of nice hotels, and you've been on a couple of cruises or something. How are you going to spend $1.6 billion in your lifetime? So why would it be skin off your nose to give 10% to Haiti so that there could be decent roads around the schools? They ain't going to do it. Oprah ain't going to do that. Jay-Z ain't going to do that. There has to be some sense of humanity in you. And the other thing is that they got that money because they don't have any humanity here. They don't have any love in them. They don't have any love. That's how they're able to get that kind of money and keep it. So they ain't going to do it. So that's, that's out of the question. They ain't gonna, forget that. They ain't going to do that. But what God said to me after I talked to him, here's what God, I'll tell you what God said to me. The Lord said to me, now listen to this very carefully because I won't be explaining it because sometimes the Lord's talking to me and and I, I want to get it straight. Now, y'all pray for it. I get this straight. Pray I get this straight. God said to me, he said that if you can get the people of America that are Hamites and Canaanites, one and all, to honor the Sabbath day and then send the message down into the Caribbean, into Canaanite land, that everywhere a Hamite and a Canaanite person is, that they all honor the Sabbath day. Now, this is what the Lord told me. I'm trying to get it right. Jesus told me this. I said, Jesus told me this. Amen. He said that, that we don't have to have one dollar to our name. But if every Hamite and every Canaanite united under one cause, which is the freedom emancipation of the Sabbath day, that it would bring a sense, what's the word? It would bring a sense of equity. That is to say, we won't need Jay-Z's money. We won't need Oprah's money. There'll be such unity from brother to brother. We would share what we have because once we recognize the unity of the Sabbath day, it'll bring us together in unity. We won't have to ask the government for nothing. We don't have to ask Jay-Z for nothing. 
we will have the power ourselves and not just that what we will have we will keep it from the politicians they will not be the ones that decide where the roads will go they will not be the ones that will decide where the schools will go when we get together on one accord on the sabbath day we will make the decision papa doc baby doc or any other kind of doc obama will not be able to penetrate the unity of the power of the sabbath day indeed we will be richer than Jay-Z, richer than Oprah. All we have to do is unite under what the Jews have united under, the power of the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day, the Sabbath day, the Sabbath! Jesus, Jesus, I, I understand that. I pray I have communicated that to your people, that the Sabbath in the Caribbean, the Sabbath in Canaanite and Hamad America will make us richer than Wall Street individually. Just the unity of that. Jesus, I pray I've done it. I pray I, I've explained it. I don't want to fail y'all today. That was so important for me to get that word out to you. Take your seat. But do you understand? Do you truly understand? That the riches that flow from the Sabbath. I told you that after we became Sabbath worshipers, we were able to pay off our mortgage on this building. After we became Sabbath worshipers, we've been able to take our first world-class classroom with 24 teachers and students to China, all expenses paid. Once we became Sabbath worshipers, once it became Sabbath, we never missed an opportunity of meeting payroll once we became Sabbath worshipers. Once we became Sabbath worshipers, we were able to redecorate the church, redecorate the courtyard once we became Sabbath worshipers. I was ready to drive around in cars paid for, not on the banks, anything, once we became Sabbath worshipers. Once we became Sabbath worship, we were to provide the staff who do a credible job of doing the ministry with automobiles once we became, and housing once we became Sabbath worshipers. The Sunday preacher can't even afford a house for himself, let alone for the staff. The Sabbath, the Sabbath, the Sabbath, we need to weaponize the power of the Sabbath day. But the devil going to fight me. Now, I've gone, you've seen how he, he was fighting me on this whole business of who's black. I ain't black. I ain't a black man. By the way, if I can go back for just a moment on the, the uh, Jay-Z, that we're richer than they are if we just unite. <laughs> you know, there's uh, Roger Whitaker, one of my favorite singers, is uh, pretty much an Irish tenor. All these songs, A New Day in the Morning, there's a Durham town I'm leaving for England, leaving the islands of sunshine, going to a land of fog. Roger Whitaker, you never heard him? Extraordinary singer, extraordinary voice. And he sings this song about leaving the islands and sailing, setting sail. The, the ship is rigged and ready, I think. Anybody a rigger? But you're a rigger, you know what a rigger is. Ship is rigged and ready. Tomorrow we set sail for old England. Leaving the land of sunshine, going back to the land of fog. Man, I tell you, it's awesome. You got to hear him. He's Jaffe, but I give, him, I give him credit anyway. You got to hear him, Roger Whitaker. The new day in the morning. Anyway, 
what we need to know that this word will change the dynamics of England because England occupies most of those islands down there. It'll change their economic standing. We set up our own banks. We set up our own systems. But more specifically, it'll bring us together finally back under the authority and the power of God's word. It's the one weapon that we need. So I, I was saying that we need to be very careful about people like Billy Graham and the Southern Baptists going into Haiti. Because what that does is that when they, they come in there and drop off $100,000 down there in Haiti, Southern Baptist. They done robbed it through slavery from you. They'll drop it off down there and to make the Haitian think that the white man's powerful. Hell, he ain't powerful. He stole that money. They hear me talking. They're scared. The pastor me done told them, me and the pastor man, they came down here and gave us a couple of dollars. So they're watching me on Facebook. But now they're scared because I've been talking about Southern Baptists and talking about Billy Graham and they're getting that money from all these white folk, right? And they're scared to come nigh me because they're scared that these white folk are going to stop giving them money. Well, hell, they stole it. The money that they get, you get, they, they stole it from me. They ain't done you no, they, all that money they stole and robbed here in America. And so they give you a couple of crumbs down there and now you're going to bow down. They're going to keep you in slavery, keep you in chains, keep you bound down to every white face and blonde hair and blue eyes you see come down there. You're going to bow down. They got stolen money. They need to get with it. By the way, you know, the uh, Bill Gates, Melinda Gates, God, that boy got what, $500 billion? $40 billion, $50 billion, $100 billion. Said they're going to give half of it away. They ain't giving nothing away. You know that Bill Gates doing? Y'all stand up. You know that boy doing? That Bill and Melinda Gates and them others? Jeff Bezos, Amazon. I don't use Amazon. I don't, I don't use Amazon. I don't. But anyway, you know, you know what they're trying to do? Bill Gates is trying to kill off Africa. You know that? You, you, you get some people to know. He wants to kill all the Hamites and Canaanites so that the planet will have enough water a hundred years from now that there'll be enough food. He don't want y'all living, making babies. He want to kill the Muslims. He want to kill the Mexicans. Y'all make too many babies. Y'all keep going like this. The earth will be overpopulated. They haven't figured out how to take a rocket to the Mars yet. So what Bill Gates is doing, he's using his money to kill all y'all out. All that medicine they send over there sterilizing y'all. Think y'all getting healthy, your eyes getting bugged, and you can't have no babies. The men are getting impotent, can't have no sex. The women are turning to women because the man can't get it up. I mean... Y'all, but you get the idea, right? Amen. Don't trust Bill Gates. He ain't your friend. Amen. They're not helping you. And here comes Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg. What the hell did he take off that t-shirt? Put on a shirt and tie. What is it with him? 500 billion. They're not your friend. Called Fear Friends. A book of friends. That's what I call Facebook, right? A book of friends. You ain't. They ain't your friend. They know everything. They know what, how much water's in your toilet and how much paper's on your toilet roll. Because if you carry your phone inside the toilet with you, they're checking out everything. They know everything about you. They ain't your friend. Mark Zuckerberg ain't your friend. 
then you walk around and give y'all all y'all children on Facebook. They ain't your friend. Bill Gates want to kill off all y'all. He's trying his best, he and Bill Clinton, to wipe out Africa, to slow the birth rate of Africa. Hell, he ain't the first one did it. My father Ham did it over there in Egypt. That's what I have to say. You know, my father Ham over there in Egypt, he saw them Jews having babies like that. That Jewish woman was having babies every five months. My father Ham said, kill the babies because they're going to be more than us at one time. So they started killing the babies till the, the, Moses' mama put him in the river. They ain't the first time they've been doing this. They ain't the first one come up with it. The hell with Bill Gates. The hell with his money. The hell with Jay-Z, who worked for Bill Gates and Wall Street. We got to get together. Our only weapon is the Sabbath day. I tell you, it's the Sabbath day. We need to come together. No. And so, you can take your seats. We, 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 we need to understand that we weaponize. We're Sabbath observers. We're free because the Sabbath has set us free, not the Emancipation Proclamation. Civil rights hasn't done anything for us. No, it did something for Japheth, but it didn't do anything for us. It had taught Japheth, hey, boy, what's wrong with you? Why you want them to let them people stay at your hotel? You got something against money? They got money. Let them stay at your hotel, man. Let them buy your cars. Let them eat at your restaurant. They got money. What's wrong with you? You sitting there taking money just from one people out there. They got money. Take the money. Take down them colored on the side. What's wrong with you? They start taking them down. <laughs> you can go down south in Vicksburg, Mississippi. We don't even celebrate the 4th of July down there because of the civil rights. And I tell you, you go into a hotel down there that's owned by Jaffer's brother, his grandfather and father fought in the Civil War, that boy will greet you. What's your name? We're so glad to have you. You're one of our special guests. <laughs> he, he done learned some sense. But what about you? Well, Pastor Manning ain't for the black man. You know, Pastor Manning wasn't for our first black wedding. Oh, we're black people got to stick together. Well, by the and the Lord, 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 we worship on Sunday. Uh, the Lord don't care about what, what, what day, long as our heart is right. Well, your heart ain't right. That's the first thing. And so we, we, we are simply here. I'm delivering the Lord's word. I want y'all to know something that uh, you stand for this one when I'll be through with y'all. That that I'm the Lord's servant. I'm, I'm God's servant. I chose to serve him no matter where he sends me. I chose to carry his word no matter what condition he puts me, whether it's in a prison or whether it's in a palace. I'm I'm the Lord's servant. I'm, I'm his servant. And because of his servant, he has allowed me to be enlightened. 
One of my favorite teachings that does not come from the Bible is the allegory of the cave about the enlightened man who went out, saw what was really going on, came back inside the cave and told the people who were bound by the necks in darkness, and they killed him. And the reason why I go along with that, and I still teach from the pulpit, because Jesus says that's what they do to every prophet who gets up high enough to see what's really going on, and he comes back and he tells the ignoramus, and they kill him. Well, in one way, it's a badge of honor that they say I'm not for the black man, because in a real sense, I'm not for that foolishness. I'm not. I'm not for that. And no, I'm not for Obama. I'm not for Sharpton. I'm not for any of these swine dancers. I'm not for any of the ignorance, that your ignorance. I mean, your ignorance stinks to high heaven and you call yourself a Christian. And yet, you sit here, I have people that listen to me online and they realize the revelations that are coming up told you about flee Jerusalem because that ain't where the power of God is. Pray that your flight is not in the winter, nor that you are a Sabbath breaker when times come. And they go out and repeat it, and people think they are smart because that is true, rightly dividing the word of God. And yet when I say give a tithe and the offering, they clam up. It's, it's hypocrisy. It is ignorance. They're not listening to grow and to love and to help. They're not listening because I'm the Lord's servant. They're listening because they want to steal something. They're listening because they want to get something to give them one up on somebody else. But they don't plan to give the servant of the Lord the credit. They don't plan to give me the credit. They don't plan to return the honor to this house. And you don't plan to return the honor to this house of what God has done. No, it's in your hearts, it's in your spirits that you're not going to return the honor that you've listened, you've learned, and like a, a snake in the grass, you're slithering around. What more can I find out? But I will not return honor unto whom honor is due. I will not give honor to the word that's going forward. And we need to understand that. We would be richer than all the rich people on Wall Street if we, with one voice and one spirit, united under the Sabbath day. All our monies would prosper. All our possessions would prosper. You've given away this community. They've torn down Second Canaan Baptist Church. I knew Pastor Latson. He wasn't just somebody whose name was out there as the founder. I knew that man. He laid hands on me. He was a South Carolina Geechee. I know he told me the story how he struggled with his kitchen church to buy that building and to set it up. And they sold it for a few pennies, peanuts. And now they're going to be on the ground floor of sodomite heaven. All up above them while they're worshiping, people are going to be juking one another in the buttholes while they're worshiping. I mean, it's, it is, it's insane. This, it is, I know it seems funny. No, but it's insane. It's insane. And these are your family members, your friends. It's insane who they are. No, I'm not one of you. I'm not. 
Why did Obama go to churches? He could have went to one church on Sunday or once a month. Why didn't they come to Harlem? Why didn't they come to some of the schools up here? Why? If he's a brother, why? Why? If all of y'all are Christians, that you don't have nothing to show for your Christianity. Why? 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 I'm going to keep on preaching. Um, I, I know when the Haitians hear me and the Jamaicans and everybody hear me, they're going to be scared because they think I'm going to preach about that little money they're getting from the white folk. That slave money. That money don't belong to you. That money they're taking down there, that Billy Graham, Franklin Graham, some Elgin Purse, that ain't your money. They stole that money. Franklin Graham stole that money. And that's why it's not prospering you. We need to get together. We need to hear from the Lord. Not some freak named Franklin Graham or the Southern Baptist or any of these other organizations that are down there. And you know, I don't understand how any Haitian can call Obama president when in their darkest hour he didn't come see about them. That earthquake was devastating. He didn't go see about them. He didn't go see about them. Y'all take your seats. I thank the Lord for the opportunity to share today. But I want y'all to know I'm the Lord's servant. Don't play me cheap. No, don't play me cheap. Don't get in my face if you don't plan to get under my leadership. Don't contempt. Don't disrespect. Don't lie to me. I'm the Lord's servant. Y'all this nappy head, ugly Nothing going on. Ain't got nothing. Full of the prisons. Filling up the prisons. Schools are running. Armed camps. Don't lie to me. Don't play me. Don't, don't play me. You're not willing to get with what God doing, then get out of here. And I don't know if I'm mean spirit, but don't play me. Don't lie to me. You're not willing to give a tithe in the offering every time the tithe and offering is, is called for. Don't ever come back on. I pray if you're re- refusing to give tithes and offerings by sitting there every day and listening to the message, I pray that you go blind, that blindness and leprosy take over you. I pray that you cover from head to toe with cancer. It'll make a junkie say, Jesus is Lord. I got a word in my mouth. I got a word, 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 word in my mouth. Jesus. Thank you.
Uh, we're continuing our uh, Manning Report and the journey of the Manning Report. I am he, the quintessential American James David Righteous Rebel Manning. And of course, you know, we'll continue with, with the incredible Sabbath, Rachel LaFleur as well. But because of some most imminent, if you will, and urgent moves of Almighty God, we've taken more to the pastoral aspect of what we're doing uh, as every time we get an opportunity to talk to you on the airways and Sabbath will return shortly. Now, I want to inform you, first of all, let me ask you a question. Let's say that you have been a slave um, or you have been politically oppressed uh, in the most draconian way by a nation and its leadership. And, and your group has always been the underdog uh, but then you saw the nation and its leadership teetering, uh, misstepping, faltering, uh, disorganizing, uh, coming apart at the seams, uh, weakening in every way after they have inflicted years and years and years of pain upon you. Would you at the same time continue or would you help them? Would you try to mend? Would you try to help them get their act back together so they can then act in more power over you? Or would you strike while the iron is hot and take advantage of them and put them under your leadership? Well, that's what China, came, uh, the Xi Jinping and uh, North Korea uh, leader Kim Jong-un is doing at this very moment as you and I talk as they look at America stumbling like a drunken man. Uh, America is coming apart at the seams. Um, and by the way, let me quickly say to all of those people out there with not even a wing and a prayer, considering that, well, the economy of America is doing good. And, and that's the only thing. That, that's the only thing that's doing good. Um, and they're saying because the economy is doing good and there's low unemployment, that obviously everything else is good. Seems like to me those that worship money are the worshipers of all evil. But let me quickly say to you before I get back to the question I just raised. The economy is doing good because China allows the economy to do good. Today, as I speak, the Treasury Department Mnuchin will be putting forth a plan or a request to borrow, as I speak, and you can check it out with Wall Street Forbes and all the other economists and see whether I be a liar or not. Steven Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, is preparing to ask Xi Jinping in China for $300 billion to prop up the government on the ominous bill that was just passed of $1.3 billion to keep America going. In other words, we have a $300 billion shortfall that must be borrowed immediately today. The deadline is today. China must say yes. Otherwise, we go into a default uh, that you don't, not even Congress can do anything about. So the economy, now listen to this, all of you, every time one of these rednecks or these delusional Trump supporters point to the fact that the economy is doing good, you point back only because China allows it to do good. It's to China's benefit to sell you things on time, like a credit card. 
that Americans will buy and buy and buy and run up the credit card debt with China. China. America's economy is not doing good because of some sort of genius of American leadership. No! It's doing good because China wants to continue to run up the credit card debt. Let's get that straight. But everything else about America is falling apart at the seams. And Xi Jinping and King Jong-un are looking and saying that the anointing is moving east. That the day of America, America's heyday, America's strength, that America's war machine, that America's world global economy has faltered, has stumbled, and it's a humpty-dumpty that cannot be put back together again. So Xi Jinping got together with Kim Jong-un in China last week, and they're now plotting what their next step will be as America completely dissolves. And not just that, but they're doing it because other world leaders are withdrawn, and they have now realized that they can't look to America for global leadership, world observation, whether it be um, Theresa May or whether it be Angela Merkel or whether it be French president or everybody has looked now and said we have got to pull in our markers because America is not there for us with this orange haired orangutan tribulation Trump. But there's one other problem that China now realizes and but nobody in the East will speak. Nobody in Europe will speak. And nobody in the East or in Europe suffers from the same problem. America has a unique problem, which means she will never rise again. And Xi Jinping and Kim Jong-un is making plans to step into world leadership. They're already, China's already number two in every other aspect, and everybody knows it. So it's just natural sequence for China to be number one next year in every aspect. But China, but America, China and America China has, I mean, America has a problem that China and all the other world recognize, but they'll never say it. America has a problem with its former slaves. Now listen to me very carefully. I said listen to me very carefully. America's teetering, its destruction, its faltering, its dissolution, its coming coming apart at the scenes is because America has not been able to solve the problem of its former slaves. They've had 400 years to 500 years of mayhem, 400 years of building America with slaves, and 150 years of absolute mayhem, starting with the Civil War, and 600 thousands Americans killed and millions maimed as trying to solve the problem of the 400 years of slavery. China realizes that now that America cannot, that the problem of slavery in America, the race problem, cannot and will not be solved. They understand the two dynamics. Dynamic number one, that having a so-called black president did not move the needle forward in any way of, of a solution. In fact, it moved it backwards. And then proceeding that was the election of the orange-haired orangutan, the tribulation Trump, which has exacerbated the race problem. So world leaders, thinkers, 
people of astute intellectual ability and strength now recognize that America cannot and never will. Now listen to me very carefully. America will never solve its slavery problems, its former slave. It will never, they will, there will never be a, a blending of peace. It, 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 the, everything has been tried and all have failed or has failed. All have failed, yes. And China realized that the anointing is moving east. Because America has a problem that she took to her bosom through the advent and process of slavery, and now it has come back to bite her in the butt. In fact, it's come back to destroy her. The very thing that built America, that, that made, now listen to me, listen to me very careful. Don't you run away from me. Don't you run away or turn an ear away from me. The very thing that built America lickety-split in less than 100 years, 200 years, one of the greatest nations economically, the very thing that built America, which was slavery, is the very thing that's going to destroy her with the same kind of haste and speed and world recognition. The problem, quite frankly, that those in the east of Xi Jinping and others have realized is that America has not found an answer or a solution to the problem of its former slave. Nothing. Martin King, Dr. King, civil rights, Rosa Parks, Black Panthers, civil, Lyndon Johnson, John Kennedy, who could care less about black people. He probably cared more about his, haw, his whores than he did about black people. He probably thought more about Marilyn Monroe than he did about Dr. King. And then you get Obama. You get Jesse Jackson. And none of these. Now check this. Now think, this, think with me logically because there's some things that you're going to have to deal with and we're going to have to jiggy with and that's a word to say that we're going to have to come to agreement with and move on. Now none of these things have solved America's problems. Others have traveled to America and looked at her and said she's got a problem that has only gotten worse over the years. The former slaves are in the streets now, dying more, fighting more, complaining more and than ever before. But not just that America has a problem that with the former slaves that cannot. Now listen to me very carefully. It will never be solved. Not in America. In fact, it is the, the, the destruction is imminent. Now, let me go back to you. Don't you run away from me and run around here and talk about how the economy is doing good. The economy is doing good not because of that gambler, that casino owner, that bankruptcy king, that coochie grabber, that public slut and whore, tribulation Trump. It's only doing good because China wants to keep the credit card debt going. Today, Steve Mnuchin, Treasury Secretary, will borrow $300 billion from China because the tax cuts that they gave is not bringing in money, it's sucking it out. And everybody who is somebody with power politically is taking all of their money and running because they too realize that America has no recourse. She will fall. Why? Because she cannot solve the problem that built her. The problem that built her was slave labor and slavery and the process thereof, and as a result 
of it. She's not solved it. She's had 150 years, and it's worse today than it was 400 years ago. It's not going to be solved. So that's America's undoing. And the anointing has moved it, but that's not all. You know, I said to you some time ago, Obama was elected to send slaves back to Africa. For whatever reason, they couldn't get it off the ground. But that's what they put him in office to do. He couldn't get it off the ground. I'm not sure what went wrong. But something went wrong with the plans. He was supposed to be president for three terms, send slaves, former slaves, back, build, rebuild colonies in Africa. Bill Gates was going to dump billions of dollars and send, but, but for whatever reason, and I'm not sure exactly what it was, it may have been James David Manning in the Outlaw World Ministry. They kept talking about him and identifying him and talking about his mama that prevented it from, la from launching because I, I don't know, I can't, I, I'm saying for sure. But not only that, America not only has not solved the, uh, America is falling from within. Abraham Lincoln was right. She's not been able to solve a problem of her former slaves. She, it is, it, there's just as much division and confusion now as, as there was during the Civil War. So therefore, America cannot progress. But that's not all. That's not all. This, I, I tell you what, I, I tell you what, if you will look at the fact that the orange hat orangutan, the Fifth Avenue coochie grabber, the New York liberal, the bankruptcy king, uh, the casino, the money launderer, the public whore and slut, tribulation Trump, that, now listen to this very carefully, with the understanding of the premise, number one, that America has not and cannot solve her, the problem of her former slaves. There cannot be unity. There, there has not been, and they will not be. As a result, America's got a problem within that is destroying her, her former slaves. Her former slaves. Now, she can take in people from other nations, from Italy, from wherever else, and all is well. But her former slaves has kept America from growing, in, 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 and now she's at the brink of destruction, number one. Number two, as I make, make this next point, if you must. That, now, you keep this in mind. The economy, listen, the economy as America like a first, is like a first-year college student with a credit card. Uh, and the parents who had their first experience of having their children in college, and every time they ask for $50 for this, for, their, for a book, when they really want to have a pizza party, mom and dad sends the money. That's exactly how China is treating America, running up the credit card debt and sending in the money. Every time the Treasury borrows, you'll notice that the Fed uh, is now raising interest rates above what they were under the Obama administration because more money has to be borrowed from China to pay for all the money that the wealthy billionaires took out of the treasury with that so-called tax bill 
cut the, uh, the tribulation Trump, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell put through. So now they got to borrow more money and they have to raise the interest rates on the production of money so they can pay back China the money because they're borrowing $300 million from China today and they'll be borrowing another $300 million in another six months just before the 2018 election. So the economy is not doing good. It's worse than it ever been. It's just that China is running up the credit card debt at an unprecedented daily compounded interest. Let's get that straight. I want you to hear that because I want you to also understand that one of the clear views of the fact that America is in turmoil because she has reached a point where it is imminent and obvious that she cannot solve the problem of it, her unwanted inhabitants that she brought here as slaves. She's not able to solve it. And the, the, the clear demarcation of that is that the Southern Baptists and the Evangelicals, the Robert Jeffries of the world, don't give a damn if tribulation Trump rapes all the Girl Scouts and eats their cookies before he leaves them with their underwear thrown over their heads. They don't care. They, Robert Jeffress don't care if Tribulation Trump rapes the Girl Scout troop, eats their cookies, and throws their panties back in their face as long as he stands up against the fact that Hamites and Canaanites are to be trampled on, to be abused in every potential and possible way, to be shot down in the street like dogs. The Southern Baptists will give Trump whatever voting support he needs if he'll just solve the race problem by killing an extinction of all Hamite or Canaanite people, Canaanite people. And that's it, my friend. Talk to Robert Jeffers, ask him. Well, ask him about Trump's public slut, that he's a whore, that he sleeps with a horse or a dog. He'll sleep with a horse head. Hell, he'll sleep with a snake if somebody will hold it for him. They don't care because they see the presence of the former slaves in America from New York and Los Angeles and all around their door as the most imminent problem. And if he can solve that, they'll take their chances on supporting the lowest form of human life ever walked planet Earth. They'll take their chances on believing that God loves them and that God will forgive them. Indeed, some of them are actually on their knees believing because they have such an intense hatred for the former slaves that they brought in from Africa and landed down in the Caribbean, that they are willing, that they are willing to take their chances and believe that God actually sent that in order to, that everything else, civil rights did, John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson couldn't do it, none of the civil rights legislation couldn't do it, they are actually believing in their heart and you can't dissuade them that God has used the most vile person who will rape a Girl Scout troop uh, to get rid of the former slaves. And that's why they believe that God sent him. 
That's why they believe that God sent Tribulation Trump, this raper of a Girl Scout. Yes, sir. And so understand that. That's why, if you wonder why are they acting, everybody's trying to figure out why they're acting like That's why they're acting like They believe, they understand that you got to get rid of them former slaves. But not just that. Not just that. The whole social fabric of America has fallen apart. That the spiritual uh, component that at one point held America has, has fallen apart. And that the social disorder in the homes is found in the streets where you got Japheth young men Sending bombs all the, this is a new one, by the way, the, you know, the young bomber down in Austin, they're going to be bombs sent. Forget about this, this Japheth fella has figured out why walk into a school with an AR-15 and if they banned them, which all the young people were shouting about on Saturday, make a bomb and mail bombs to schools, mail bombs to houses, mail bombs. You can send out 300 bombs and have bombing in every state, six bombs a day. These Japheth young people have become extraordinary delusional, looking at their hypocritical redneck, if you will, Japheth parents who is about as phony as a $3 bill. And the, the, the response, the spiritual response to that is the Japheth boys are out there shooting up everything and Japheth girls out there turning tricks at 14 years old to get heroin. It is the backlash and judgment of God. And Kim Jong-un is looking at this. He said, look at the hell. And Xi Jinping is said, he's saying now what the monkey said when they cut his tail off. You know what the monkey said? Xi Jinping is saying, well, you know what the monkey said when he cut his tail off as he looked at the turmoil in the streets and in the ether of America. They got people like Alex Jones, Sean Hannity, Jean Shapiro, Piro, whoever she is, and Fox News who are actually outright lying because they don't care about journalistic standards anymore. They want to get rid of these former slaves. They don't care about truth and integrity and journalism anymore. And, and Xi Jinping is looking at this. And they recognize that by any means necessary, the Southern Baptist, Evangelical, Xi Jinping, and Japheth people in general, and so the judgment of God's response to that is that the 14-year-old the, the girls, uh, Japheth girls in Ohio, Indiana, and all across America are turning tricks to get money to buy heroin. And 17-year-old Japheth boys are shooting up schools. But now they got a new thing they can do. They can mail bombs. Watch the mad bombers come out of the woodwork of these Japheth homes. So let's recount, and then I'll leave you alone. America's economy is not doing well. And anytime, anytime Xi Jinping want to cut the credit and call in the debts, <laughs> he can do it. Today, we got to bomb through After all this big talk about tax and income checks being large and $2,000 in every home, we got to borrow $300 billion from China keep the government afloat. Not the ominous bill, we got to borrow from China. Now you can disagree if you like. 
but you need to read them in a week. The, a, the East realizes that America brought slaves to her coast and for 400 years it worked under a certain kind of uh, political dictum. But for the last 150 years, the problem has not been able to be solved. It is only exacerbated. They've given the highest office, even the presidency, and it's only gotten worse. So America cannot recover. Me, I'm James David Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord, servant. That's what God said. That's what God said. That's what God said. My friends, I want to invite you to our Easter worship service. The Holy Week will be ending, um, and uh, the 1st of April will be the Resurrection Day. Y'all refer to it as Easter, and I'll go ahead and talk your language for the time being. It is not a pagan holiday. It's respect of Jesus having been on the cross, crucified, laid in the grave for three days, got up on Sunday morning, honoring the Sabbath before he got up out the grave. It's going to happen this year on the 1st of April. Don't confuse it with April Fool's Day. <laughs> and um, we want to invite you to two worship services on that day. One at 7 o'clock in the morning and the other at 10 o'clock in the morning. And in between those two services, we're going to have a little light breakfast of some finger food and things that you can pick up, some juices and cheese and smoked salmon and onions and that kind of thing, just quickly you can eat, and then we'll go to the next worship. If at all possible, we're going to hold both of the worship services outdoors in our courtyard, if at all, if the weather permitting. Now, if it's a bit chilly, we're going to have to go inside, which we will do. But if we get a warm temperature above 60 degrees on those mornings, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hold it on the outside. We're looking forward to holding it on the street and having a great time. But you're invited. There's going to be some, some powerful, joyous gospel singing. I mean, there's going to be at least 10, 12 gospel songs that's just going to really just set your soul on fire. And then, of course, I'm going to do some preaching as well. And uh, most of the singing will take place at the 10 o'clock worship, but some will take place at the 7 o'clock worship as well. And prior to that, on Good Friday, we're going to have worship as well. And weather permitting, we're going to have it out on the outside in the courtyard. Uh, and we will start at 12 noon to 3 o'clock. We'll have seven preachers. And this year, the speakers are going to be all women that will be speaking the seven sayings from the cross. It'll be very exciting. Uh, we've had all women once before, maybe. I don't know. But we're definitely going to be doing it uh, on this coming Friday. Um, this coming Good Friday, rather. So we're inviting you to come and be a part of it. Of course, our Palm Sunday worship service is coming up this week. Um, so we want to invite you to come. It's going to be April the 1st. Don't get fooled with April Fool's Day. At 7 o'clock in the morning. And if possible, it's going to be on the street. There will be seating that we'll have on the street if we have. If not, the weather's cool. Of course, we've said that. We'll be inside. There's going to be joyous, soulful gospel singing like you've never heard before. And then there'll be some stomp down preaching by yours truly. That's at 7 o'clock and 10 o'clock on Easter Sunday. Amen. And then the Good Friday worship service. Live in the New York area. Come on to the Good Friday. Get Good Friday off. Be here by 12 noon because we start right on the dock with seven of the sayings from the cross. We'd love to have you come, participate, and be a part of it. My friends, I want to appeal to you to be a part of the support, the financial and loving and prayerful support 
of the Outlaw Church, its school, its breakfast feeding program to children, its homeless shelter, its soup kitchen, its ministry of the Manning Report and Pulpit of Power. I want to ask you to, first of all, open up your heart uh, and to pray for us. That's the first thing. Before you open your purse, open your heart uh, and, and, and pray for us. And if you open your heart, uh, God will show you the work that we do. We need your financial and prayerful support. Uh, shortly, we're going to be talking about a woman named Mother Cooper who gives to the church. And someone reported, uh, have said to me over the years I've been a pastor, that I suppose there's times when people don't have anything to give. That's a lie. Everybody's got something to give. Jesus gave the example of the widow who walked into the synagogue one day, and she only had two mites, and she was a widow and had no further income, no place of getting anything, and she gave what she had to the church. No, everybody's got something to give. A lot of people say, when they say we don't have anything to give, they really what they're doing is that they're saying you're not a priority. We're going to go and we're going to go out to Golden Corral. We're going to go out and do some things with our grandchildren and our children, but we ain't going to give to you. That's low priority. We'll, we, don't have anything, <clears throat> we don't have anything to give to you. But I want to ask those of you who will listen, because I want to swat away the people that get online and try to contradict what we say. They, 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 they have it to give. They just don't want to give it. They don't have it to give here. And I understand that. But we need two RVs, recreation vehicles. We need one uh, for our expanded classrooms for our high school students, uh, and that can be used for field trips and can be used for science fairs and a number of other things traveling around New York City, New Jersey, and Connecticut during the process of education, also visiting college campuses and going on day trips and outings for our high school and our elementary students and RV uh, we need that for our continued education travels. And uh, so we're praying that someone will donate an RV to us for that purpose. And then, of course, we need a second RV to keep parked at our church on our premises uh, that we can pretty much strip down. Uh, and we'll take an older one for this purpose that can be stripped down and made into a science lab. At present, we don't have a science lab in our building. Uh, city state will not permit it because you got to have, you know, Bunsen burners and a whole lot of chemistries and chemicals and that kinds of a thing. And so we would like to convert an RV into a science lab where we can do scientific research. So we need to. Uh, and so we're asking, is there a heart out there of people who will give that maybe you have one, you're not using it anymore and you want to donate it to the church. And of course, we'll give you a tax right all for the purpose of process of doing that. Um, and we're asking you to do not let the naysayers, don't let people talk about, well, I would give to him, but he wears a fancy suit. What do you want me to do? come before you naked? And besides, you know, many times it's not the suit that looks good and you might get a little offended by it, but the man makes the suit look good. I've seen a lot of people put on fancy suit and they look like a, they just called, called out of a, a dog shelter. But that having been said, don't look at the outward appearance of me. Look at my heart. Look at my heart. If you look at my heart, you will see that my heart is in the right place. I got a lot of children I'm responsible for. I feed them every morning. You know, we fed over one million meals. That's the absolute truth. I'm not exaggerating. 
We have fed over one million meals and our meals are not ready to eat meals prepared by the city of New York, frozen and warmed over in some sort of uh, convection oven or what microwave and we throw them at people. No, these are meals that are made from scratch. Our waffles are made from scratch. Our eggs are made from scratch. Our grits are made from scratch. Our, everything we do is made from scratch. Over one million meals. No, we do a great work here in the community. And then finally, those of you who understand, you know, set aside. Don't, don't, don't deprioritize this ministry because you could give something. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you're spending a lot of things that you really don't have to spend. You're probably, you know, buying things even at restaurants that you don't have to buy and you Maybe you're purchasing things that you're only going to use or wear once. And you could, no, you could give and you could tithe. And by doing that, you're going to be increased and blessed. So don't let the naysayers that come online and say something negative about this ministry. We're doing a great work for the Lord God Almighty. His name is Jesus. And it costs a lot to keep the lights and the cameras rolling in the computer. You know, we're on 24 hours a day, seven days a week we're running. And most of the time it's live. This does not come cheap. And you know it doesn't. So go ahead now. And then we're going to talk to you more about giving. But two RVs we need. The biggest ones you can get for the process of our schools. And then of course we need to be able to continue to keep those meals going down in the breakfast program where we're feeding all those beautiful but hungry children. All right, everybody, I'm James Ibbett Manning. I'm Lord Servant and you know how to give. Go to our website and join our ministry uh, and do, bring your tithes and your offerings. I tell you what, do seven weeks of tithes and see if you are not better increased. If God doesn't restore unto you seven times what you have given in tithes and offering, if that way you're not to listen to me anymore. If God does not restore to you seven times what you tithed to the ministry or given to the ministry after seven weeks of giving faithfully without fail, without cheating, without lying and with a cheerful heart. You do those things, and if, if God doesn't restore, if God doesn't keep his honor, his word by opening up the windows of, the, uh, his, windows of his storehouse and pouring you out a blessing so much so that you won't have room enough to receive it, you won't ever have to listen to me anymore, you won't ever have to deal with me anymore. Because everything else, I would say, would be a lie. Now go ahead and start. Join the ministry, tithe, do it, and watch God bless. Amen. All right, my friends, uh, we want to go to our segment I call Visit with the Prisons. Um, and uh, we've got a pre-recorded segment with Rudy Davis uh, that we've done because our scheduling, uh, you know, we, we got to see where we're going in this new move of God. But we're going to get Rudy in today because it's very important for me that we visit the prison. So, Mr. Engineer, please roll that clip. Welcome to the uh, Visit the Prison segment of the Art My Ministry, everyone, and um, the Manning Report as well. And today we've got, of course, our longtime supporter and friend Rudy Davis, and patriot, I should say, on the line, who has uh, an interesting story to tell about um, another prisoner, a person that's been taken into custody who has been innocent and in prison for a very long time, and the person of David Hankson. And uh, Rudy has been making the rounds in terms of getting his story out to a number of broadcasters, and we're delighted to be able to carry that story again today as well. Rudy, what's going on? Hey, peace and blessings, Pastor Manning. Thank you for giving a uh, platform for political prisoners, and I hope my audio is coming through okay today. Just fine. Coming through just fine. Very good. 
Praise God. Well, again, uh, you're right about David Hinkson. Uh, if you don't mind, Pastor Manning, I would like to give you a quick update on three other prisoners before we before we get into David Hinkson, if that's okay. Of course. Go ahead. Well, you know, uh, Bryce Matthew Quillar is sitting in a maximum security prison. They threw him in the hole, and uh, he allowed me to upload videos to his YouTube channel while he was incarcerated. During the YouTube censorship that we've all experienced over the past uh, few months, they have stopped allowing me from uploading content to Bryce's channel. That's how uh, concerned they are about the truth getting out about his situation. So I asked, uh, I ask you and your audience to please keep Bryce Quellar in your prayers. He went through a parole board hearing, and uh, we're still awaiting a decision from that. So uh, we believe Bryce was unjustly incarcerated, and uh, we thank you for giving a platform for his story as well. Also, Pastor Manning, Jeffrey Winehouse. Uh, we were working with your wife to have uh, Jeffrey Winehouse back on your show That's for another. That's correct. Whatever happened with that? Yep. Uh, well, just uh, just as we were arranging another blockbuster jailhouse interview with your show, uh, the warden told Jeffrey that if anybody publishes his voice on the internet again, they will throw him in the hole, and he will no, no longer be able to communicate with anybody. So, under threat of violence, uh, Jeffrey advised me that he can no longer do your show or anybody else's uh, show. And uh, we feel very uh, concerned about that. It's just another example of the world clamping down on prisoners' voices. I will say this, Pastor Manning, uh, his wife, Jeffrey's wife, is Valerie. She's a dear, sweet soul. She believes Jeffrey is innocent. And uh, she provided us an incredible amount of discovery evidence that came about during his trial. And uh, part of that evidence was an eyewitness, Pastor Manning. We have an eyewitness, Marty Leach, and there was an audio that I released on the Internet that Marty Leach said he saw the whole thing and he would swear that Jeffrey did not have a gun in his hand. He called it an execution, a murder, and a setup. And uh, we put that video, we put that audio of Marty Leach giving his eyewitness testimony back uh, during the time frame of the crime. And uh, I believe that's blockbuster information they don't want to get out. But regardless, they have shut down Jeffrey's voice for the time being. But you can't shut up the children of God forever. The Lord well, will find let, another let me way. Let ask you this, uh, Rudy. What if uh, you were to, uh, when next time you talk to Jeffrey, ask him if you and I could just go over again the things that he has said, and then of course this this testimony you have as well. If you have that voice audio, we can use that. We don't need his voice; we can be his surrogates. And amen. But I I wouldn't want that to create more trouble for him in prison, since they have they seem to be so intimidated by him and using such draconian threats against him. Uh, but why don't you ask him that? And if so, then if, if, it, if he gives permission, then we can go ahead with voice audio and you and I can surrogate for him. Amen, Pastor Manning. And I, I, can, I can answer that right now. There's nothing that would stop you and I from discussing the evidence that's been made available. We even have a bullet in the ground and a picture of a bullet in the ground where Jeffrey was lying. So there's an incredible amount of evidence. Yeah. Uh, matter, of fact, matter of fact, we have an audio tape of the State Highway Patrol uh, after he was shot in the head and the police officer says maybe Jeffrey will learn his lesson this time that was their attitude after they had shot Jeffrey but uh, you know this uh, I appreciate you giving uh, any platform to Jeffrey Winehouse there are many of us that know he is completely innocent and should not be in a in a, in a jail for the next 30 years and it's a horrific miscarriage of justice um, well, why don't we do in our next segment uh, the Jeffrey Winehouse uh, piece right now we you know you, you're giving me some previews about uh, before we get to Hinkson, but we can schedule that. Elizabeth will schedule that in. We can definitely get that done. 
Great. Thank you, Pastor Manning. We really appreciate that. Uh, Before I go on, I got to say that the only reason cases like this are even allowed to exist because there's such a blatant miscarriage of justice, such uh, blatant travesties where the government has, you know, uh, put down political prisoners or incarcerated them is because we've moved away from God. I mean, any other society would not allow anything like this to happen. And I'm starting because our name and number has gotten out there, Pastor Manning. We've kind of become a, a magnet or a lightning rod for the unjustly incarcerated. Well, and it, God it, for that. Pray, pray it, God. it is good. Amen. God it is that. good. And you have allowed us to get a, a you know a platform for that. But I'm just saying it's uh, there's a lot more innocent people in prison than people can imagine. The the next person is Ed Brown. Before we get into David Hinkson, Ed Brown had a uh, I think it was an eight eight month standoff in New Hampshire. Ron Paul referred to Ed Brown as a hero. He stood up against the IRS. His voice has not gotten out in 10 years, and we recently released a uh, audio from Ed Brown. Ed and Elaine Brown, was uh, they've both been incarcerated because they took a strong stance against the IRS, and they won't get out until 2042, I believe. But uh, in any event, I wanted to just to share that because that was blockbuster as well, to actually have his voice go out publicly, and we pray they don't stop him from uh, speaking out. But um, in any event, I wanted to share that with your audience. And then if you'll, if you'll allow me to tell David Hinkson's story, he's got an incredible, amazing story. Uh, and I appreciate you giving a platform to David Hinkson. Yeah, you know, you made a statement, uh, and you've made it several times in several different ways, but to David, in one of the interviews that we posted up on our site, you know, when they throw you in an orange jumpsuit and, 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 and say you're guilty, People automatically assume that the state and the government is right, and that's a that that is so tragic that people then turn against you and do not seek to help you simply because you're in an orange jumpsuit and you could be as innocent as freedom itself. Uh, so I, I think we need to keep this segment going. But go ahead, let's let's see what's tell me about Hinkson, uh, where he's at. Give me a little bit of background and then tell me where you're at right now because you you you're getting his name out there in a big way. Amen. Amen. And you're right about uh, you find out who your true friends are when the government puts you in an orange jumpsuit. And I have seen family members betray family members because they're scared to death of the state. But David Hinkson was raised Mormon, Pastor Manning. He was raised Mormon. Uh, Matter of fact, he had a talk show very similar to yours, very similar to Mark Levine, very popular. I don't know if you're familiar with a man by the name of Bill Cooper, but he came on a worldwide Christian radio network uh, right after Bill Cooper, uh, Behold a Pale Horse. And he would speak about, uh, you know, how we lost the republic, government corruption. Very popular radio talk show host, very brilliant man, uh, had multiple businesses, was very wealthy. Um, And he was raised Mormon. And he told me back at the time he had a co-host named Rod Stimelin, I believe. And Rod wanted to expose the Mormon church for the cult that it is. Right, right. uh, And. Yep, and and because uh, because David Hinkson was raised Mormon, he said, "Hey, that's my family. Don't do that. I, I don't want you to speak bad about Mormons." And uh, uh, David just recently told me he recently confided in me. He said, "The only regret I have about that talk show was I would not let Rod yeah. uh, expose and speak yeah. out about the Mormons." He said that he he has renounced the Mormon religion. Praise God Almighty. He has uh, now a Bible-believing Bible follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said he prayed to God and asked him to show him the truth, and uh, he, he said a devil walked in the room uh, that was the God of the Mormons. And so uh, uh, we praise God that uh, he now says that he uh, rejects and publicly renounces Mormonism. And so I wanted to share that. That was his background. 
and uh, he was a talk show radio host. He's a very, very brilliant man. There's really multiple aspects to David Hinkson, Pastor Manning. One of those aspects is how innocent he is. And so that aspect all by itself is a shocking thing that we could spend a lot of time on, but I'm just going to cover the highlights. But I don't want to neglect the other aspects of David Hinkson because it's, it's um, what we have is a brilliant man who has many inventions that I believe could benefit humanity. And that needs to be talked about as well. But in regards to David Hinkson, uh, the only reason David Hinkson is sitting in prison for 43 years, he's already been in prison uh, 15 years, is because of a man by the name of Elvin Joe Swisher. Now, everybody needs to remember that name, Elvin Joe Swisher. Look it up. Uh, type in Elvin Joe Swisher in your search engine. You'll find that Fox News did a piece on this man, Megan Kelly. Uh, regardless if I'd support Megyn Kelly or not, she did do a piece on Elvin Joe Swisher. Elvin Joe Swisher was convicted of receiving $200,000 worth of veterans benefits um, that he did not earn. And not only that, Pastor Manning, during the trial, the prosecutor walked in, Elvin Joe Swisher, in front of the jury. He sat in the in the witness uh, chair. And on his, he was in full military uniform. He had a purple heart on his chest. Uh, he waved a DD-214, and anybody that's been in the military knows that you have to uh, show a DD-214 form to prove you're in the military. Right. And he, yep. And he talked about how he was a Korean combat war hero veteran, and uh, this get, brought a lot of prestige uh, when they did that. You know, because this is a, a decorated combat uh, a Korean combat war hero, and he had a Purple Heart. DD-214 and talked about how he saved POWs behind enemy lines. The only problem with all of that, Pastor Manning, uh, and he, okay, let me say this. He was the only witness that testified that David Hinkson came to him and asked him to murder a judge. Conspiracy to uh, kill a federal judge is what they got David Hinkson on. And there's no audio. There's no other evidence. Uh, there's there's not like any... His reasoning? that Hankson would ask him to do such. I mean, Swisher. Yeah. What was his well, reasoning? Because he said motive? that he, the, the motive was uh, that David Hinkson uh, did not like this judge because they were going after David Hinkson's bis businesses for IRS tax fraud. And so David Hinkson wanted the judge to be taken out of the way, even though David Hinkson has never been convicted of any uh, IRS tax fraud or any IRS shenanigans. Uh, but the, the motive supposedly was All right, that he would go to Dave. Uh, Rudy, we're going to cut you right there. Uh, we'll get back to you uh, next week on David Hankson and Swisher and that entire fiasco and railroading of David Hankson. Uh, but let me also state that we uh, must, Jesus said we, we should visit the prisons. And when I went to Haiti, going back a couple of months ago, my first visit was not to an orphanage or a school or a church, but it was to the prisons. So we have to have this segment of visit to prisons as frequently as we possibly can. And we thank Rudy Davis for his contribution. Today, we've got one of our members on the line, uh, Waverly Marsh, and I'm not sure whether he's on at work at present. Uh, I've been uh, leaning on him to come on for just a few minutes, but Waverly, do we have you on the line, sir? Not yet. All right. Well, we're waiting for him to uh, to, to get him. Uh, we're going to give him a call. Waverly, we're going to be call you, calling you in just one moment uh, to bring you up. I uh, want to bring everybody up to date about our uh, Resurrection Holy Week we, uh, worship services. This is the, uh, the, the time of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've got the Good Friday worship say, coming up. The seven things from the cross is going to happen. 
on Friday, and then of course we've got worship on Saturday while Jesus will be in the in the tomb, and then of course on Sunday morning he's going to get up. We're going to have two worships there. Let me say to everyone also that I stated that if the weather was good, we would hold our worship services outside if it's above 60. And the prognosticators, the weather people up here in New York are saying that perchance uh, Sunday weather will be is and Friday in the in 60 degrees. Um, we most probably will hold a good Friday worship inside the house, uh, not outside, because uh, we've got to get the courtyard prepared. So I don't know if we can get the courtyard prepared in time. With all the other things that we're doing, we've got construction going on, we've got the church restoration renovation going on, we've got uh, multiple things happening with the school and ministry, so I don't know if we can get uh, the courtyard ready for us, so I think we're going to be on, on the inside for everything that's coming the weekend. But I got Waverly Marsh on the line. Waverly, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing, Pastor Benning? It's good. good. It's good to talk to you today. How are things down there in Virginia? Oh, they're pretty good. Keeping busy with work and stuff and listening to the Manning Report. <laughs> well, it's good. Listen, Waverly, I, 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 you know, forgive me for not being able to fully communicate with you. I, so many things are going on. But the reason why I want you on today briefly, uh, you've been a very faithful member and a loving supporter of the church. But uh, as, a, as a result of your having not necessarily so much following us, but following the Lord and, and understanding and rightly dividing the truth, which is what you've done, you've recognized that tribulation Trump is not good for America and that a lot of people, especially the people of the South and Japheth people, have given their heart and soul to this man. And it's left you with a lot, a lot of friends. You don't have a lot of people to talk to. Is that right? That's correct. At least not, you know, after I had to kick, kick them to the curb. <laughs> You're using my language now. <laughs> so how do you deal with that? Because, I mean, most of the people in your region are for Trump. This is true. And it, it, it has put a wedge. Uh, in fact, I have to... Uh, some very dear friends of 30 plus years uh, that basically voted for Trump, and I knew they were going to because of uh, you know all these other uh, pastors on the TV that were just going full throated for him, and I knew that I couldn't vote for Trump. Even you know I realized it the same day in June of I guess it was June of 2016. You said you had to withdraw your support. I had heard the news the night before, and I knew that I couldn't. And you're you know you're broadcast just uh, confirmed I knew that I could not support this man. We're getting a bit of a breakup. I don't know if we're talking to you on a cell phone, uh, but on the other side of that, you've got a really nice radio voice. Uh, you might want to try to go into broadcasting. That's something else. We'll have to talk about that. Uh, so, yeah, uh, no, we, we made our decision to leave him, and uh, I'm glad that helped to confirm you, because you would have been, even without us, if we had gone ahead and stuck with this. Why do you think you know, with all the obvious things that are happening, Waverly, and I, you know these people, you've had these friends for 30 years, you've known them, you've grown up with them. Why do you think they're refusing to look at the truth about this man? Um, I would say that it had to do more with, um, and I'm trying to describe this correctly, more of a lack of responsibility of the man, you know, whether he's a mama's boy or he just lets the wife do all the spiritual aspects in the house and they'll go watch their football or whatever, and they'll give lip service to spiritual matters, but uh, they're not leaders. They really just want the, you know, the wife to take care of things, and that makes them feel good. 
but they don't really want to critically look at uh, spiritual matters. They go to church, they watch things that make them feel good, but the women are the leaders. And and so uh, you, you're saying that there has been a a shifting of the sense of responsibility that if men were leaders, that they would not accept the presence of the, a character like Trump. Maybe, I mean, he's a, he's really a New York liberal, you know. He's not. He's not a. Yeah, I didn't really. I really didn't know that about Trump because I didn't watch much TV. I mean, I'd heard he'd been on The Apprentice and stuff, but uh, I really didn't watch that. So I thought anything he did on TV was just he was a paid actor. But I think literally some of his psychopathy, you know, is regardless of whether he was paid or not to do some of these things, they're part of you know his perversions and stuff. And that skit he did with Rudy Giuliani dressed in drag, some of that's part of his perversion. And uh, I don't know why people had didn't see that and the way he acted and said he's going to be the best friend to the LGBT sodomite community and basically legitimizing Hillary, who's a sodomite, and Obama, who's a sodomite. I was like, how could you see that and, and say, okay, this is okay spiritually? And, and how, how can all these pastors say, well, no, he's, he's God's man for the hour. Well, you know, going back to the the Hillary thing, you know, he and Hillary and Bill were tighter than uh, two ticks on a, on the back of a bulldog. I mean, they yes, were they, they were really good friends, uh, and he knew they were sodomites, and he knew that Bill did what he did, and I, I suspect they all did it together. You know, uh, but you're you're raising a, a very interesting point that he stated he'll be a better friend to sodomites than sodomite Hillary herself. That was a strong statement. And yet the church didn't, it didn't cause a ripple in the church across the, the South. You, you follow? Yes, I do. In fact, I had mentioned something on my Facebook uh, where he Twittered that he was going to, to basically, you know, throw him a little bone by getting the transgenders out of the military. But uh, I think that was more or less, uh, you know, protecting, protecting them because he's going to start a major war. Yeah, it, it, and, and what he does is that he wants a distraction, then he'll use something like, you know, the transgenders out of the military. That It ain't going nowhere. He knows it. But it gets people talking about something other than him and Stormy Daniels or, you know, the other woman, McDougal woman, uh, and, and a ton of other stuff that's going on uh, in, in, in his life. Um, let me ask you this, uh, uh, Waverly. You are you work. What's your your nickname? Science Rhino? Rhino? What? What? what, what, what you told me. Cyrine. It's basically common, uh, a short contraction of scientific Rhino. In other words, a Rhino is known to charge at things. So it's a nickname I got. You know, I used to work at NASA about twenty years ago. You know, I charge at things. I analyze things. So it basically means scientific Rhino, not Republican in name only. But uh, basically, I well, what did you do? For, what did you do when you work for NASA? You know, uh, logically and objectively. When you work for NASA, what did you do for NASA? I mean, you're, you're, you're a scientific um, guy, right? What did you do? I didn't work for the space program. I did uh, work. I custom built lasers to observe the atmosphere. What? Explain that to me. <laughs> basically, we would. There's certain lasers that you can actually uh, you build and you can shoot them down through the atmosphere and you, you collect the light that comes off clouds and off the air molecules, and you can tell how much water vapor, CO2, ozone, uh, you can tell. So basically, they we've made the instruments that flow, flew on these planes to measure. It's called Earth observation with lasers. Okay. All right. 
Uh, that must have been pretty exciting. I guess you're pretty good in science and math and all that kind of stuff. That, that's, that goes without saying. Yes, yes. I've enjoyed that, and the Lord sort of led me, led me to, into that field. What was that? Who led you into that field? Uh, the Lord led me. I mean, you know, through childhood, interesting experiments. I was sort of a bookworm and stuff. I guess I got interested in science because I crawled in an electric fence and got electrocuted, and I thought that was interesting. So I said, i got to figure out what electricity is. So, you know, the Lord sort of led me, steered me in that way to learn science and math. You you weren't like Benjamin Franklin who flew that kite up in the sky to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was crawling when I got hit instead of the key in the kite. <laughs> Listen, Waverly, uh, from time to time I call your name uh, when I'm preaching. I don't mean it in a really mean spirit the way sometimes I'm talking real loud and strong. People say, "Oh, he's angry at me." No, I'm not. I'm just I'm just I'm just doing what I'm doing. But you got a bit of a breakup in your. Uh, I want to have you on. You had a great, you had a great resonant voice for radio. It sounds really good uh, on 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 the, on the air. Uh, but I'm going to disengage now, uh, uh, Waverly. Thank you for taking the time to share. What would you say to people who are in your position? Uh, we have a woman down lives down in Charlotte, North Carolina, and everybody around her is going crazy for Trump. What would you say to people? They're right now who are struggling and they feel maybe if they'll just relent and support Trump, they can get their family and friends back. What would you say to them? I would say don't do it. It's it's not worth it. You cannot work with these people. And the little comfort you might get is not worth it. And I still can't deal with my father on it. It actually is unhealthy. When I visit him, I get sick. I get pains in my body. It just it's not worth it. That's what I would I would say it's it's better to go, you know, with the Lord than to make a compromise on this, because it'll destroy your health and your peace. Well said. Well, well said. Waverly, thank you so very much for taking the time to talk to us today. We're going to stay in touch, and I'm going to have you back on again. I like the way you sound. Thank you so very much. Well, thank you, Pastor Manning. You have a great day. Blessings to you, Pastor. Yeah, same to you as well. All right, everybody, we're heading towards the top of the hour. We're going to be doing the 11 o'clock hour live today. Um, and we, we, we're going to be talking about Mar-a-Lago and Canaanites, Hamites Unite. But before we get there, I want to tell you about a member of our church. Her name is Mother Cooper. And Mother Cooper hails from South Carolina. She's been in New York nearly uh, 60-some years and going towards 70. I won't tell you how old she is. And Mother Cooper reminds me of the widow uh, of two mites in, in Mark's Gospel, chapter 12, verse 42. And in Luke's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 2, that Jesus was in the going into the temples in the vestibule area, and people were putting money in the, the, the collection plate there. And this widow came in, and widows in the tradition of the Jewish heritage could not work, could not own property, and if they didn't have the husbands or sons or nephews to take care of them, they were just out. And all she had was two mites. And the Bible says she gave it uh, for the work of the ministry. A lot of people say that they don't have anything to give to this ministry. They like it. They love my preaching and everything. But they feel comfortable by not giving because they say to themselves they don't have anything to give. Uh, but that's not true. And, and God knows it's not true. What they're saying is that, uh, unlike Mother Cooper who gives, I've heard she only gets $700 a month. She gives 10% of that to the Lord every month without fail. Uh, but what people do is that they prioritize. They say, I have to do other things before I give. But giving should be first. It is the planting of the seed, it is the honoring of the Lord. Giving should be before you get other things done. 
But more specifically, most times you can get those other things done as well as giving. It just to be prompted in your heart that we fed over a million children meals here in the Harlem, New York City area. We have a high school education system that we do through grade kindergarten through, through high school. And we reach you every day. And it costs a lot to do this. You need to put us on your priority list. Stop pushing us to the curb. And do the Mother Cooper thing. Make sure you give and tithe. Uh, and stop saying that you can or don't have it because we recognize that you can and that you should. And you know how to do that. All right, everybody. I'm James David Manning. I'll be back on the other side of the hour with more of the live Manning Report. Let's get close to the Lord. Oh, yeah. Let's get close to the Lord. Oh, yeah. Living life from day to day. We so busy, lose our way. Feeling empty and confused. Well, my friend, just one thing. All right, everyone, this is Holy Week, and we're going to have a sec- another segment on Holy Week, but I just want to say at the outset here, we are opening up the doors of restoration and salvation, uh, restoration and restoration in general to people who have been estranged from our ministry for a while. Either you walked out or you were asked to leave or you were excommunicated or, or whatever may be the, per- the reason why we, I was once your pastor and now I am not. And through the mercy of Almighty God, we are now during this Holy Week season, uh, we're given an, ex- an, an invitation worldwide, locally and worldwide. If you wish to be restored to the ministry, uh, then make that application known. Either do it if you're online and can't get and sit in the audience, then do it online. Or if you you're, are local and you want to come and sit and, and, and do it, in the sanctuary, but while this is not certainly a, uh, a mean-spirited thing, it is simply to separate people that are trolls, because we've got a lot of people that troll us who will just, you know, jerk us around by saying one thing online, but they really don't mean it because they're not really interested in the ministry at all. And, and, and then, of course, there will be those who don't believe that their separation or excommunication from the ministry was right or just, so they don't feel that they have any need to adjust men. So when they come back, they'll come back with the same spirit. So we're, we're, we're asking you to repent of the, ring, of the wrong that you've done, to do it truthfully and honestly, and, and that we will receive you through the process of repentance. You know, John the baptizer told the Pharisees to bring fruits meat for repentance. And when Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, or Zacchaeus' house, if you're Baptist or Pentecostal, you know how you say it, uh, and, and Zacchaeus repented and said, I'm going to give uh, uh, 
uh, half of my goods to anybody I've taken from and on and on and on. I think something on that order that he went. So it would be required that you repent because you just can't walk back in and, and say that we were wrong and that you were right. Then that's going to create more trouble for everybody. You get the idea. But the main thing here is that the door is open. And we're going to keep the door open until the resurrection service on this coming Sunday. You refer to it as Easter. And after that, we'll, you know, we'll figure if you did, if you did, nobody who if you didn't come by then, then you're not interested in coming. So we're not going to leave the door open to deal prayerfully because we got people already praying now. We got prayer warriors praying for people to get their act together. We're going to move on to other things once this Easter or resurrection worship service is over. Amen. Amen. Now I want to turn a corner. Just kind of look this way for a second. I, I want to s state that I have been making an appeal uh, from a, a, a biblical perspective at looking at a problem that no man on planet Earth has been able to solve. And that is the problem of the former slaves uh, and its relationship with America and, and the lineage and, and those who are the ancestry of those who actually picked the cotton and worked in the tobacco fields and toted that bale and lifted that barge down in Mississippi, that the problem has only gotten worse over the last 150 years. And I want to address that, as we made mention some time ago, that the rest of the world recognized that America has a problem internally that she cannot solve, that her greatest enemy is within, that, to use the more generic terms, black folk and white folk, are not and cannot get together. The true words, names should be Japheth and Hamites and Canaanites. Um, in light of that, uh, I want to ask the Hamites and Canaanites to uh, recognize the opportunity uh, to actually do more uh, to defend themselves, to justify themselves, uh, to honor themselves and their ancestors than the civil rights would have done or anything that Robert Mueller is doing, anything that the media is doing with respect to tribulation Trump. And that is for five million Hamites and Canaanites, and especially the Canaanites in the islands, that they would band together to the tune of five million and each give $100 to raise half a billion dollars as the seed or investment money to leverage the purchase of Tribulation Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago in, in Palm Beach, Florida, and of course to work towards the purchase of the Trump International Hotel uh, in Washington, D.C., and also the uh, Trump Tower here in New York City. Now let me tell you where the five million came from. We've been doing broadcasting for a goodly number of years, and during the time we were uh, telling the truth on Obama, we were able to post up a goodly number of videos that reached a million or two million. We posted up a video about Tribulation Trump and uh, throughout the Caribbean, throughout Canaanite land and some of America, that video through the auspices of the website and, and YouTube channel of Janice Benz reached over five million, nearly six million views. Uh, Bossip, which is another hip-hop group and world play hip-hop combined, uh, reached 
150,000 views, and then I, on our web, on our YouTube channel, it was 100,000 views. So we're right about six million, but certainly solidly five million people watched a video where yours truly was talking about tribulation Trump. So we're using that as a sign from the Lord to ask for the same five million people to contribute $100 as seed money to purchase Mar-a-Lago, uh, Trump International Hotel, and the Trump Tower. Now, there are a couple of things. Number one is, I do not want to be the one to collect the money, or at least, well, I'll start the collection process, but I will not be the facilitator, the president, or the, or the treasurer thereof. We will look around the Canaanite, we'll look around the islands, look around America, and we'll find men of a credible, uh, background who can set up the organization to facilitate uh, the receipt and the acquisition, acquisition of the properties and the management of them. There'll be an entire process put together with a board of trustees, etc. We'll, we'll have that done. I simply want to be the Lord's servant to open it up with prayer and to pray about it and to lay hands on those that will lead it. I'm not interested in being the president thereof. Uh, that's number one. But number two, I think it will send the strongest message that could ever be sent um, in God's vengeance that we're not going to take what Tribulation Trump said about, about Haiti and about African countries and nations as assholes. We're not going to take that line down. We're coming back, and we're coming back with a vengeance. And what we're going to do is that we're going to buy your properties out from underneath you. As you are struggling now with criminal uh, charges, jail sentences, and all your family members as well, and your desperate need for money, we're going to buy your properties as a sense of God's vengeance. And we're going to show you that we're not assholes. And don't you ever dream about, don't you ever think about, don't you ever re refer to the Hamite or Canaanite people as assholes again. So five million. Now, it would not be very difficult. What I need to do is to stamp out all the trolls and all the people that would come against this process, especially the pinch-nosed Negroes that will speak against it, or the doubters or the gainsayers. A hundred dollars, right? Five million uh, Hamite, uh, Canaanite people, especially coming up out of the islands, but certainly here in America as well, raise a half a billion. Cool, get 10 million, we got a billion dollars. We got enough seed money and investment money to be able to handle the process. Let's say, for instance, that um, you would consider this uh, a, a, a bridge too far, that it cannot be done. And so as a result of it, um, you will say, well, I, I'm, I got $100, $100 is no big deal for me, but I'm not going to send it because I just don't think it can be done. Can I ask you to do something? What I would like to be able to do, and I'll speak to some attorneys about this. Number one is that everybody who gives will be given a $100 share. We'll give you an official piece of paper that says you have a $100 share in the purchase of Trump properties. And the, the, that, it, that guarantee would have a segment and section in it that in the event that enough funds are not raised in order to be able to do what needs to be done, 
that your $100 will be returned to you in, through a process that will be accepted to everybody, all parties involved. So everyone that gives $100 will get a certificate that will cost us at least 99 cents to put up and print out and mail back to you for 35 cents or 45 cents in the mailing process. So now you're down to like $97. We want to say that, that you would be given that. And then once we raise the $5 million, I'm sure we'll go beyond that. Um, we're going to get our lawyers together and we're going to find someone who knows Wall Street, who knows hotel management. We're going to put together a conference and maybe we'll have it in one of the islands or we'll have it someplace in Florida uh, where we'll put together a conference for a couple of days and we'll interview and resume people who will be the leaders and managers and developers of these of this purchase of these properties. And, and we can put together with a billion dollars, we can put together a bond service to be able to, or we can put together an investment process that will make all of this work in a, in a way that I, I, I'm, I'm confident will be very successful. And we'll wait for the right moment when the iron is hot that we will purchase Trump properties. The vengeance would be is that uh, if Trump knows that, let's say for instance, a million people jump right on this, right? Um, and we raise a hundred million dollars. That would cause him to shiver uh, in his, uh, to shake in his boots rather, that the Hamite and Canaanite peoples are taking revenge on what he said about the assholes. And now he knows that we're going to use the property at Mar-a-Lago. Potentially, we'll, 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 it'll have to be a group decision. I'd like to suggest that the, the property in Mar-a-Lago would be used uh, for Haitian children or others to come from Ethiopia. Uh, and we'll turn it into a, 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 a private school with the best of education with a Christian foundation and base. That it could become one of the best colleges going forward uh, being run by, and we can honor people like Booker T. Washington or Fisk University or St. Augustine there in Florida as well. There's so many wonderful things that we can do. All it requires is $100 from you. And, and you're going to get a certificate stating that the $100 gives you a share and also that if we don't raise all the money, $100 can be returned to you. Um, but I, I think the publicity that this would get, the unity that this would bring, um, and now I have to tell you as well is that I, a lot of people say Manning's a no-nonsense person. I am. I, you know, I grew up in North Carolina in the 50s and the 60s. I like to tell the young people, I, when I left home at 18 years of old, I never had, a, we didn't have a telephone in our house and we didn't have running water. And so I grew up pretty hard. I picked cotton for $3 a day. I cropped tobacco for less. I worked in the sunshine, then in my back picking cotton, and I, you know, I fooled around and made some mistakes when I first came to New York in my youth and my 20s and ended up in prison for three and a half years down in Rayford and in Comstock and Sing Sing here in New York and down in Moore and Auburn. Been on parole and, you know, I've lived in slime and slimy places, but Jesus saved me, got my life together, and now I'm a preacher. And I don't, I don't, I don't jigaboo. You know, I got myself a, you know, Ivy League education by graduating from Union Theological Seminary. So I've turned my life around. Jesus turned it around. But I don't play. I don't go for none of this civil rights stuff. I, I, I just don't, I haven't seen it working. 
And if this happens, if, if just Hamites, because, you know, the NAACP is financed by, by the Shemites, the Jews, and the Japheth white people is not financed by Hamite people. They, all the, all the things that are, and, and any time a Hamite brother makes it to the top, including people like Al Sharpton, is because the Shemites give him media coverage and give him money. We don't promote one another. This will be pure, unadulterated Hamite and Canaanites together. And one will argue from the Japheth or Shemite point of view, well, isn't that racism you're just going to accept from Shemites and I mean from Hamites and, and Canaanite? Well, no, it's just a response from the nations that were cursed by that demon, that orange hat orangutan, that bankruptcy king, that coochie grabber, that public whore and slut. Tribulation Trump, that con man, Tribulation Trump, those that were cursed by that will be the ones that will respond. Now, if you are not of Africa or if you are not a Canaanite or Haiti, then you weren't cursed. So therefore, you get the idea. But it's also the revenge of God that should take place. And we're not even going to say, well, you can give, but you can't sit. No, we want this to be a Hamite. Cain and I, and let me explain to some of those who know Ham. Ham, Ham was a was the third, the second son of Noah. His his son, Ham's son, Canaan, was cursed and was sentenced to serve Japheth and Shem as slaves in the Bible in, 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 in Genesis chapter 9, starting at verse 25 and following. Canaan, of course, uh, drifted west to West Africa and was later picked up by the slave ships and was brought to North America, to Virginia, to Maryland, to uh, Ohio, South Carolina, Georgia, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, Kentucky, Tennessee, all in that region, and then down in the Caribbean, down to Guyana, all the way up through uh, uh, St. Lucia, Aruba, uh, Dominica, uh, the Virgin Islands, the St. Croix, St. Thomas, St. Kitts, Throughout that entire region of, of Haiti and the Dominican Republic, those are the Canaanites, and, and they are the, the people that have served as slaves. Will you hear me? Sit down. First of all, you can start sending your funding now to help us to be able to meet some of the expenses of getting this word out because we need to get some mailings out. We need to purchase some ads and some Caribbean newspapers. And we need to be able to go on radio and television in the Caribbean and here in America as well. So we need to start sending funding and we'll, you'll get your certificate the moment the funding goes out. Don't let anybody say to you this is some sort of a scam or a scheme. It, know that there are plenty of people out there who don't want to see this happen. They, they, they would, they would, their Trump will pay people money to get in as spies and try to disrupt the process, bring lies against me, lies against the church, lies against it as it grows. Don't let that happen. Remain steadfast and immovable, abounding in the power of Almighty God. I've been a pastor for 35 years. For 35 years, I've been here living in Harlem for 35 years. That's pretty unshakable record. So let's get about, be about to start sending your funding now. And then after that, uh, or you might want to say, let me get out there and talk to other people. Let me spread this video around. Let me sit down and talk to some of my homies. Let me get in my man cave. Put this video up on the big old, on the, on the flat screen. And, and, and then after you, after, you know, the, it's over, you, you and your homies there on the, uh, y'all talk about it. Play this in the beauty salons. Right down in Caribbean, right in Harlem, South Central, and um, in, the, in the hood, put this on the television in the in the in the beauty salons, right? 
while people are getting their hair done, I put it on in the barbershop. While people are getting there, and, and let them see, well, he, he don't like Obama. Listen, don't let, don't let the fact that I didn't vote for Obama. Can I tell you this? Can I, can I tell you this? And I got to go. You know, I, I said this. I, I said if we're going to have a black president, now I'm not a racist, but I said if we're going to have a black president, he needs, to have a, he needs to have a black mama. When the Christmas cards are printed in the White House, uh, I want the black president to have a, a black mama, not a white mama. Obama's got a white mama. Uh, and then someone said, well, you know, if you got one ounce of black blood in you, you're black. That ain't what God said. That ain't what Tucson Overture said. That ain't what Marcus Garvey said. That's what the Ku Klux Klan said when they wanted to exclude you. They said if you got one ounce of black blood. So I don't go by the dictums of the Ku Klux Klan that one ounce of black blood makes you black. No, Obama had a white mama. And then the other thing is, is that I look at the black women who now are raising children without husbands and struggling to pay the bills. And I think my thing was back then and still is that it's time that the black woman got some due. Now, she's called a Hamite or a Canaanite, but I'm going back to the language that you understand. I'm of the mindset that you need to give, I mean, the black woman is the hardest working woman on planet Earth. I'm not a racist. I don't just hate, but I'm thinking, why can't we give the sister some due? She's the hardest working woman. She's been a slave. She's a mother. She has to go to the prisons, visit the jails, clean the floors, take care of the children, go sit in the schools. And uh, that's, why can't we give us some due? I thought it would be wrong to give the presidency to a white woman. I thought I'd be wrong to do that. And I stood against, I'm still against it. Now, if that's going to cause you to separate from me, I would that it did not. But I ain't going to change on that. No, we're going to have a black president. You're going to have a black mama and a black daddy. Yeah, that, that, that's right. And I've lived in Harlem. You cannot live in Harlem and never a scratch, never a fight, never anyone touch you. You can't live in Harlem for 35 years through the crack epidemic, through the homeless epidemic, through the AIDS epidemic, through the Sugar Hill Gang, through rap music, unless you are a brother and people feel your heart. They, when you walk by, they know you are a brother. Though your rhetoric is not civil rights, it's not affirmative action, it ain't cop out. They know that you are a brother. I couldn't live, I'd be dead if I was not a stone. The people of Harlem have saluted me as brother number one. So don't let the people lie to you. Don't let them put up a video saying, I talk about you never built nothing in Africa, and because you, you haven't. You never built a boat, you never built a, you haven't, ain't it's not a, it ain't that you can't do it, you haven't. Let's get real here, let's keep it real. $100, 5 million Hamites, we're going to send you your certificate, and we're going to buy Trump's property. We're going to drive that boy insane, knowing that we're going to buy, don't you ever, don't you ever refer to Africa or Haiti as an asshole again. And we're going to make you repent for saying it. You're going to repent. I don't know what Mueller going to make you do about the collusion and obstruction of justice. You're going to repent for saying it. You're going to take those words back. 5 million, 10 million, 15 million, 20 million, 30 million, 40 million, 50 million Hamites and Canaanites. Going to make you say that you're sorry for having said that and you repent.
I'm James Evan Manning, everybody. I'm the Lord's servant. Outlaw. That's what God said. That's what God said. That's what God said. I will not let that orange-haired orangutan, I will not let that coochie grabber, I will not let that scumbag, I will not let that liar, I will not let that psychopath, I will not let that Nazi tribulation Trump speak ill against the members of this church or the members of any of the states and nations of Africa or Haiti or anybody else. I rebuke you in the strongest terms. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I rebuke your mama and I rebuke her where the sun don't shine. You ever raise your voice against the people that God has put uh, under his care and under the power of his word. I rebuke your mama where the sun don't shine. I rebuke you and everything you stand for. I curse and bind you, you orange-haired orangutan, you low-life piece of dung yourself. You're worthy only for a major flush along with no wiping, you piece of dung. You ever, did you ever, don't you ever, and those of you that agree with tribulation Trump with respect to Haiti, you will not speak. And I'm calling on every Hamite, everyone with any Haitian or Hamite blood anywhere at any time to stand up and defend. Do not let this orange-haired freak don't let this Nazi label the people of Haiti or the people of Africa or their progenity as dung. Don't do it. Orange had orangutan, the piece of trash, the piece of dung born of that wicked woman out there in Queens that hatched him from between her legs out there in Queens one day. Because that's what happened. He wasn't born. He was hatched with feathers on him coming out of his mama's vagina, smelling like the landfill out in Staten Island is what his mama's vagina smelled like when that freak was born. That's why he's a coochie grabber. He keeps reaching back trying to grab his mama, grab her coochie as he was hatched out of her coochie. This orange-haired orangutan, this duck, they said when they called him Donald, his mama, when she saw them feathers on him, that's why she named him. She named him Donald because he's Donald Duck. That's what he is. And he's a coochie grabber because he kept trying to crawl back up in his mama's coochie. That's how come he's such a liar and a freak. No. Why should I pay them taxes after I'm doing them a great service? Because we weren't here to do it. The city would have to come in and feed and educate these children. We don't get a dime from the city, the state, nor the federal government. Not one dime, not one dime from any of them demons. Not one dime comes to, to cook that food. Not one dime. Every bit of it comes from the tithe and the offering. And, the, and they say, after we serve all these meals, educate all these children, keep people out of prison, counsel husbands and wives. They say I should pay them taxes also. No, no, we're not paying them any taxes. Why should we? And that's why the tax exemption for churches and charitable organizations was set up in the first place. 
Because churches do work that ostensibly the state or the government doesn't have to do. In the midst of the Holy Week, we're headed towards the uh, uh, Resurrection Sunday morning, uh, Good Friday, and we're inviting you to come and be a part of our worship service starting at 12 noon on Friday. Uh, and we're going to have seven sayings from the cross. This year, it's going to be all women, members of the Outlaw Church, that will be speaking these seven sayings. That ought to be terribly exciting. Uh, and then, of course, we're going to have our regular worship on Saturday at 10 o'clock and 12 noon. That will happen. And then, of course, on Sunday morning at 7 a.m., we're going to have the sunrise worship service. And also at 11 a.m., we're going to have the, uh, the, the culmination of all things, the resurrection worship service on this coming Sunday. So we've got uh, one, two, three, four worship services over a period of three days. And we're inviting you to be a part of that. Come on to town and and be a part of that if you can. And I think Christine Estep sent me a note the other day said if she come to the town, can we put her up? Well, of course we can. We, just let us know that you're coming. And by the way, that if, you, you know, if you're coming to the resurrection worship service at uh, 7 o'clock, uh, we call that sunrise worship, uh, and you plan to stay, uh, let us know because we're planning a a, a, a continental breakfast, smoked salmon and sardines and cereal and fruits and juices and muffins and breads and sweet things and tarts and all of that will be in abundance in a buffet style for everybody to just stand around and eat and talk to one another uh, on this coming uh, Sunday morning. And then they'll, at 11 o'clock, in between the two worships, or between 7 o'clock and 11 o'clock, there'll be that 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 breakfast. So if you're coming, we need to know if you're bringing a bunch of children. We got a, had a woman come to church on Sunday and she brought last past Sunday, brought three children. With a, that happened several times. We've been running out stuff real quick. Please call the church and let them know you're coming and how many people you're planning on bringing so we can be adequately prepared for food to serve you. But yes, we want you to be a part of the process. And we also want you to consider our appeals regarding giving. Don't let people tell you that uh, that I wear nice suits, uh, and as a result of that, hate me for giving. Uh, look at my heart. Don't look at, I, you know, I want to look nice. I should look nice. Why shouldn't I? Um, and God's house should be the most be the best looking house. I shouldn't look all sick, broken down in a cane. I should look healthy and well taken care of. The other thing is, is that in the process of your giving, don't, don't, you know, Mickey Ficky the Lord by saying you don't have it to give. You have it. It's a matter of priority. You know, if you change some things around, you know, Mother Cooper only gets $700 a month. She lives alone in the city projects by herself, doesn't have any other job or income. And yet she gives $70 a month to the church and she takes the bus and she gets a senior citizen card for that to come to the church and worship, get her clothes clean. It's a matter of priority. The Bible says that Jesus was standing in the vestibule of the synagogue one day and a bunch of wealthy people came in. They were just throwing money down the, into the offering basket. Um, and then this, this widow came in. Now in the Jewish tradition, the widow was a person who could not own property. Uh, she could not work as women. Uh, and if her husband wasn't, well, she's a widow, so she doesn't have a husband. If she doesn't have sons or nephews to take care of her, then she's out. 
And she came into the temple that day to worship like everybody else. And all she had was two mites to her name. And after that, there was nothing left. She gave all that to the Lord and forever being remembered by Jesus as the woman who gave the two mites. Bible tells us that in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, that Elijah went to a woman's house, a widow's house in Zarephath. She wasn't even a Jew. And he told that widow to feed me. All she had in her barrel was a little meal and a cruise, a little oil, and she's going to cook it in die because the famine had been sore. But the prophet Elijah said, make a cake for me first. And well, she obeyed. She could have said, I don't have it. I, this is just for me and my son. And she could have eaten it and died. But she gave to the prophet Elijah and they ate and ate and the barrel never ran out and the meal oil never ran dry. No, don't have, because a woman said, to me the other day online, suppose people don't have it to give. I've been a pastor for 35 years. I've heard that a lot. There's never a time when people don't have it to give. There's never a time. There are people that listen to me right now. I got old jewelry in their house, old wedding bands or rings or watches, or things that they're just never going to use. Maybe the husband has passed away or the wife has passed away or you're divorced or, you know, you just don't wear that kind of jewelry anymore. You know, it's just sitting there in the house doing nothing when it could be used to feed the multitude of children hungry bellies in Harlem or to buy, educate, to buy computers for children at the school that we have rather than sitting there doing nothing. You could get a hundredfold return out of that old watch or ring or whatever it is that you have. And so there's always something to give. There's always something to give. And, and, and giving is always right. I can tell you this, so I give a warning. I must put a warning and caution here now that if you give, you're going to receive. And you're going to receive good measure, pressed down, shaken over, shaken together, and running over into your bosom. If Jesus is, if Jesus is not a liar, if Jesus is not a liar, and he's not, he says if you give, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 38, it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And, and, now I, and I want to appeal to those who are already giving to our ministry to even step up your giving. There are many of you are always giving. Jesse Munez out there in San Bernardino, Sacramento, wherever you are out there in California, I can never get his name or his city right. He sends a gift every, every week. Jesse, you can step up your giving. But he always gives. He said, Lord has blessed him as a result of giving. Everyone can step up their giving even more. He said, well, you know, Pastor, I've heard what you said, uh, and I'm going to pray that the people that listen to you, because there are hundreds of people that listen to you don't give nothing, never have. And they always just turn you off when it comes to the giving talk and say they don't have it. But Pastor, they do. They have it. They could give. They could do it. They just need to prioritize, make giving to you as, as important as, you know, sizing up and getting a bigger drink at McDonald's or whatever. Or get an extra glass of tea or extra portions, you know, or buying extra quarts of ice cream. They need to make that less of a priority and make you the priority. And they, they can give. It's just that you weigh down on the priority. They got it. They just, you just weigh down on the priority there. Pastor, though, you, which, those of you who are already giving, you say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step up my giving a bit in faith uh, that the power of God might rest upon those that have not given. Because, Pastor, we know you got to keep those lights going, those cameras rolling. You know, the technicians have to work, the computers have to keep going, and you got to pay the bills, you got to keep the energy going. I mean, all that has to happen. 
Can't get this wire services out there. Can't get on all these places without, you know, funding. Who's paying those bills? Mother Cooper's paying the bill. Mother Cooper is paying to get this ministry to you. Because this isn't cheap. No, it isn't. Everything in America costs something now. And Mother Cooper is paying your bills. You shouldn't, you know, those of you got, you got good jobs, you're earning good money. You shouldn't let Mother Cooper have to pay your bills. And then get out there and pray that somebody will send us those two RVs that we need. One for a classroom and one for the uh, traveling classroom. Spend some time praying that God will send those and get those things done. Amen. All right, my friends, I, um, I had, she had a word earlier today. Uh, I want to want to share with you once again. So I'm going to ask the engineer to please, Mr. Engineer, uh, roll that clip. Go Set my feet on holy ground. All right, we're continuing our Manning Report and the journey of the Manning Report. I am he, the quintessential American James David Righteous Rebel Manning. And of course, you know, we'll continue with, with the incredible Sabbath, Rachel LaFleur as well. But because of some most eminent, if you will, and urgent moves of Almighty God, we've taken more to the pastoral aspect of what we're doing uh, as every time we get an opportunity to talk to you on the airways and Sabbath will return shortly. Now, I, I want to inform you, uh, first of all, let me ask you a question. Let's say that you have been a slave um, or you have been politically oppressed uh, in the most draconian way by a nation and its leadership, and, and your group has always been the underdog, uh, but then you saw the nation and its leadership teetering, uh, misstepping, faltering, uh, disorganizing, uh, coming apart at the seams, uh, weakening in every way after they have inflicted years and years and years of pain upon you. Would you at the same time continue or would you help them? Would you try to mend? Would you try to help them get their act back together so they can then act in more power over you? Or would you strike while the iron is hot and take advantage of them and put them under your leadership? Well, that's what China, came, uh, the Xi Jinping and uh, North Korea uh, leader Kim Jong-un is doing at this very moment as you and I talk, as they look at America stumbling like a drunken man. Uh, America is coming apart at the seams. Um, and by the way, let me quickly say to all of those people out there with not even a wing and a prayer, considering that, well, the economy of America is doing good. And, and that's the only thing. That, that's the only thing that's doing good. Um, and they're saying because the economy is doing good and there's low unemployment, that obviously everything else is good. Seems like to me those that worship money are the worshipers of all evil. But let me quickly say to you before I get back to the question I just raised. The economy is doing good because China allows the economy to do good. Today, as I speak, the Treasury Department, Mnuchin, will be putting forth a plan or a request to borrow 
as I speak, and you can check it out with Wall Street, Forbes, and all the other economists, and see whether I be a liar or not. Steven Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, is preparing to ask Xi Jinping and China for $300 billion to prop up the government on the ominous bill that was just passed of $1.3 billion to keep America going. In other words, we have a $300 billion shortfall that must be borrowed immediately today. The deadline is today. China must say yes. Otherwise, we go into a default uh, that you don't, not even Congress can do anything about. So the economy, now listen to this, all of you, every time one of these rednecks or these delusional Trump supporters point to the fact that the economy is doing good, you point back only because China allows it to do good. It's to China's benefit to sell you things on time, like a credit card that Americans will buy and buy and buy and run up the credit card debt with China. China. America's economy is not doing good because of some sort of genius of American leadership. No, it's doing good because China wants to continue to run up the credit card debt. Let's get that straight. But everything else about America is falling apart at the seams. And Xi Jinping and Xing Jinping are looking and saying that the anointing is moving east. That the day of America, America's heyday, America's strength, that America's war machine, that America's world global economy has faltered, has stumbled, and it's a humpty dumpty that cannot be put back together again. So Xi Jinping got together with Kim Jong-un in China last week, and they're now plotting what their next step will be as America completely dissolves. And not just that, but they're doing it because other world leaders are withdrawn, and they have now realized that they can't look to America for global leadership, world observation, whether it be um, Theresa May or whether it be Angela Merkel or whether it be French president or everybody has looked now and said we have got to pull in our markers because America is not there for us with this orange haired orangutan tribulation Trump. But there's one other problem that China now realizes and but nobody in the East will speak. Nobody in Europe will speak. And nobody in the East or in Europe suffers from the same problem. America has a unique problem, which means she will never rise again. And Xi Jinping and Kim Jong-un is making plans to step into world leadership. They're already, China's already number two in every other aspect, and everybody knows it. So it's just natural sequence for China to be number one next year in every aspect. But China, but America, China and America China has, I mean, America has a problem that China and all the other world recognize, but they'll never say it. America has a problem with its former slaves. Now listen to me very carefully. I said listen to me very carefully. America's teetering, its destruction, its faltering, its dissolution, its coming, loose at, coming apart at the seams, is because America has not been able to solve the problem of its former slaves. They've had 400 years 
the 500 years of mayhem, 400 years of building America with slaves, and 150 years of absolute mayhem, starting with the Civil War, and 600,000 Americans killed and millions maimed as trying to solve the problem of the 400 years of slavery. China realizes that now that America cannot, that the problem of slavery in America, the race problem, cannot and will not be solved. They understand the two dynamics. Dynamic number one, that having a so-called black president did not move the needle forward in any way of, of a solution. In fact, it moved it backwards. And then proceeding that was the election of the orange hat orangutan, the tribulation Trump which has exacerbated the race problem. So world leaders, thinkers, people of astute intellectual ability and strength now recognize that America cannot and never will, now listen to me very carefully, America will never solve its slavery problems, its former slave. It will never they will, there will never be a, a blending of peace. It, 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 the, everything has been tried and all have failed or has failed. All have failed, yes. And China realized that the anointing is moving east because America has a problem that she took to her bosom through the advent and process of slavery and now it has come back to bite her in the butt. In fact, it's come back to destroy her. The very thing that built America, that, that made, now listen to me, listen to me very careful. Don't you run away from me. Don't you run away or turn her ear away from me. The very thing that built America lickety split in yes than 100 years, 200 years, one of the greatest nations economically, the very thing that built America, which was slavery, is the very thing that's going to destroy her with the same kind of haste and speed and world recognition. The problem, quite frankly, that those in the East of Xi Jinping and others have realized is that America has not found an answer or a solution to the problem of its former slave. Nothing. Martin King, Dr. King, Civil Rights, Rosa Parks, Black Panthers, Lyndon Johnson, John Kennedy, who could care less about black people. He probably cared more about his, haw, his whores than he did about black people. He probably thought more about Marilyn Monroe than he did about Dr. King. And then you get Obama. You get Jesse Jackson. And none of these. Now check that. Now think, think with me logically because there's some things that you're going to have to deal with and we're going to have to jiggy with and that's a word to say that we're going to have to come to agreement with and move on. Now none of these things have solved America's problems. Others have traveled to America and looked at her and said she's got a problem that has only gotten worse over the years. The former slaves are in the streets now, dying more, fighting more, complaining more and, than ever before. But not just that America has a problem that, with the former slaves that cannot, now listen to me very carefully, it will never be solved, not in America. In fact, it is 
the, the, the destruction is imminent. Now, let me go back to you. Don't you run away from me and run around here and talk about how the economy is doing good. The economy is doing good not because of that gambler, that casino owner, that bankruptcy king, that coochie grabber, that public slut and whore, tribulation Trump. It's only doing good because China wants to keep the credit card debt going. Today, Steve Mnuchin, Treasury Secretary, will borrow $300 billion from China because the tax cuts that they gave is not bringing in money, it's sucking it out. And everybody who is somebody with power politically is taking all of their money and running because they too realize that America has no recourse. She will fall. Why? Because she cannot solve the problem that built her. The problem that built her was slave labor and slavery and the process thereof, and as a result of it, she's not solved it. She's had 150 years, and it's worse today than it was 400 years ago. It's not going to be solved. So that's America's undoing. And the anointing has moved it, but that's not all. You know, I said to you some time ago, Obama was elected to send slaves back to Africa. For whatever reason, they couldn't get it off the ground. But that's what they put him in office to do. He couldn't get it off the ground. I'm not sure what went wrong. But something went wrong with the plans. He was supposed to be president for three terms, send slaves, former slaves back, build, rebuild colonies in Africa. Bill Gates was going to dump billions of dollars and send, but, but for whatever reason, and I'm not sure exactly what it was, it may have been James David Manning in the Outlaw World Ministry. They kept talking about him and identifying him and talking about his mama that prevented it from, la from launching because I, I don't know, I can't, I don't say it for sure. But not only that, America not only has not solved the, uh, America is falling from within. Abraham Lincoln was right. She's not been able to solve a problem of her former slaves. She, it is, it, there's just as much division and confusion now as, as there was during the Civil War. So therefore, America cannot progress. But that's not all. That's not all. This, I, I tell you what, I, I tell you what, if you will look at the fact that the orange hat orangutan, the Fifth Avenue coochie grabber, the New York liberal, the bankruptcy king, uh, the casino, the money launderer, the public whore and slut, tribulation Trump, that, now listen to this very carefully, with the understanding of the premise, number one, that America has not and cannot solve her, the problem of her former slaves. There cannot be unity. There, there has not been, and they will not be. As a result, America's got a problem within that is destroying her, her former slaves. Her former slaves. Now, she can take in people from other nations, from Italy, from wherever else, and all is well. But her former slaves has kept America from growing, in, 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 and now she's at the brink of destruction, number one. Number two, as I make this next point, if you must. That, now, you keep this in mind. The economy, listen, the economy as America 
like a first is like a first year college student with a credit card, uh, and their the parents who have their first experience of having their children in college, and every time they ask for fifty dollars for this for them for a book when they really want to have a pizza party, mom and dad sends the money. That's exactly how China is treating America, running up the credit card debt and sending in the money every time. The Treasury borrows, you'll notice that the Fed uh, is now raising interest rates above what they were under the Obama administration because more money has to be borrowed from China to pay for all the money that the wealthy billionaires took out of the Treasury with that so-called tax bill cut bill that Termination Trump, Paul Ryan, and Mitch McConnell put through. So now they got to borrow more money and they have to raise the interest rates on the production of money so they can pay back China the money because they're borrowing $300 million from China today and they'll be borrowing another $300 million in another six months just before the 2018 election. So the economy is not doing good. It's worse than it ever been. It's just that China is running up the credit card debt at an unprecedented daily compounded interest. Let's get that straight. I want you to hear that because I want you to also understand that one of the clear views of the fact that America is in turmoil because she has reached a point where it is imminent and obvious that she cannot solve the problem of it, her unwanted inhabitants that she brought here as slaves. She's not able to solve it. And the, the, the clear demarcation of that is that the Southern Baptists and the evangelicals, the Robert Jeffries of the world, don't give a damn if tribulation Trump rapes all the Girl Scouts and eats their cookies before he leaves them with their underwear thrown over their heads. They don't care. They, Robert Jeffress don't care if Tribulation Trump rapes the Girl Scout troop, eats their cookies, and throws their panties back in their face as long as he stands up against the fact that Hamites and Canaanites are to be trampled on, to be abused in every potential and possible way, to be shot down in the street like dogs. The Southern Baptist will give Trump whatever voting support he needs if he'll just solve the race problem by killing an extinction of all Hamite or Canaanite people, Canaanite people. And that's it, my friend. Talk to Robert Jeffers, ask him. Well, ask him about Trump's public slut, that he's a whore, that he sleeps with a horse or a dog. He'll sleep with a horse head. Hell, he'll sleep with a snake if somebody will hold it for him. They don't care because they see the presence of the former slaves in America from New York and Los Angeles and all around their door as the most imminent problem. And if he can solve that, they'll take their chances on supporting the lowest form of human life ever walked planet Earth. 
They'll take their chances on believing that God loves them and that God will forgive them. Indeed, some of them are actually on their knees believing because they have such an intense hatred for the former slaves that they brought in from Africa and landed down in the Caribbean that they are willing, that they are willing to take their chances and believe that God actually sent that in order to, that everything else, civil rights didn't, John Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson couldn't do it, none of the civil rights legislation couldn't do it, they are actually believing in their heart and you can't dissuade them that God has used the most vile person who will rape a Girl Scout troop uh, to get rid of the former slaves. And that's why they believe that God sent him. That's why they believe that God sent Tribulation Trump, this raper of a Girl Scout. Yes, sir. And so understand that. That's why, if you wonder, why are they acting? Everybody's trying to figure out why they're acting like That's why they're acting like They believe they understand that you got to get rid of them former slaves. But not just that. Not just that. The whole social fabric of America has fallen apart. That the spiritual uh, component that at one point held America has, has fallen apart. And that the social disorder in the home is found in the streets where you got Japheth young men sending bombs all the, this is a new one by the way the, you know the young bomber down in Austin they're going to be bombs sent forget about this this Japheth fella has figured out why walk into a school with an AR-15 and if they banned them which all the young people were shouting about on Saturday make a bomb and mail bombs to schools mail bombs to houses Mail bombs. You can send out 300 bombs and have bombing in every state. Six bombs a day. These Japheth young people have become extraordinary delusional. Looking at their hypocritical redneck, if you will, Japheth parents who is about as phony as a $3 bill. And the, the, the response, the spiritual response to that is the Japheth boys are out there shooting up everything and Japheth girls out there turning tricks at 14 years old to get heroin. It is the backlash and judgment of God. And Kim Jong-un is looking at this. He said, look at the hell. And Xi Jinping is said, he's saying now what the monkey said when they cut his tail off. You know what the monkey said? Xi Jinping is saying, well, you know what the monkey said when he cut his tail off as he looked at the turmoil in the streets and in the ether of America. They got people like Alex Jones, Sean Hannity, Jean Shapiro, Piro, whoever she is, and Fox News who are actually outright lying because they don't care about journalistic standards anymore. They want to get rid of these former slaves. They don't care about truth and integrity and journalism anymore. And, and Xi Jinping is looking at this. And they recognize that by any means necessary, the Southern Baptist, Evangelical, Xi Jinping, and Japheth people in general. And so the judgment of God's response to that is that 
the, the, the 14-year-old girls, uh, Japheth girls in Ohio, Indiana, and all across America are turning tricks to get money to buy heroin. And 17-year-old Japheth boys are shooting up schools. But now they got a new thing they can do. They can mail bombs. Watch the mad bombers come out of the woodwork of these Japheth homes. So let's recount, and then I'll leave you alone. America's economy is not doing well. And anytime, anytime Xi Jinping want to cut the credit and call in the debts, <laughs> he can do it. Today, we got to buy through it. After all this big talk about tax and income checks being large and $2,000 in every home, we got to borrow $300 billion from China to keep the government afloat. Not the ominous bill, we got to borrow from China. Now, you can disagree if you like. But you need to read them and weep. The, eight, the East realizes that America brought slaves to her coast, and for 400 years it worked under a certain kind of uh, political dictum. But for last, it'll make a junkie say, Jesus is Lord. I got a word in my mouth. I got a word.